Okay. All right. Sick. Oh my goodness. Well, <clears throat> seems like it's going to be a busy night tonight, folks. Uh, but that's cool. Good evening. What's the date today? May 26th. Uh, to all my Canadians, I hope you had a good Victoria Day long weekend. I spent mine at a bachelor party, so uh, you put you, you do the math on that one. It was a lot of fun. Um, but I'm alive. That also partially explains why the list of tracked players is a little shorter than usual. Um, but we'll make up for it in the next week, I promise. Uh, so yeah. Um, what else is going on? So this week, the Adam Sikora video came out. That would have been yesterday, I believe. Seamus Casey's video also came out in the time since the last report or the last live stream. Uh, the Locked On Habs and I did a show, two-parter, that you can go watch on their YouTube channel as well. Just watch this first, and then uh, you can go there later. Uh, the guys I tracked this week would be Yuri Slavkovsky, everybody's favorite, uh, Adam Boris, uh, Liam Ugren, Cutter Goche, Marcus Nguyen, David Juracek, and, of course, the one and only... Small King Lane Hudson. Um, hoping to get three reports shot this week uh, or over the weekend. I've got three p data sets ready to go. One one set of notes done, and I'll be doing the other two tomorrow. Uh, so that'll be fun. I uh, got got three good ones coming up for you. Uh, been a bit of a slow burn, but uh, we're getting down into crunch time. So look for look for look for quite a few more before the draft. Uh, any other housekeeping? Anything else to do? Uh, hmm. Yeah. No. Nothing right away. Nothing, nothing, nothing jumping to mind right away. Um, okay. Well, it's funny. Uh, it's funny that, uh, the first question of the night from Daham comes about, uh, Lane Hudson, who I watched today. Uh, I, uh, oh, James, that's a great point. I will put the videos, uh, that are released in the description and moving forward in, in live streams. That's a very good point. I will do that. Uh, so yeah, thoughts on Lane Hudson. The game I tracked today, he was a video game. Uh, he was, he was amazing. Um, you know, Lane Hudson is a guy who I think started the year a little bit shaky, uh, and just got more and more confident and, and just a lot more settled on his feet, um, over the course of the year. Because the last couple of games I've done of him have been pretty good, uh, especially offensively, which I would expect. And it's to the point where, you know, I'm not super concerned uh, about his defending, at least along the boards and such. His defensive rush, his rush defense is just never going to be where it could be unless he really develops his feet really well. But just the skill and the the, the deception and the, the creativity and the offensive abilities of him it's just really hard to ignore. Uh, and, and he just keeps putting up numbers that if it were a forward, uh, I would be thrilled. Um, so, well, not thrilled, but I would be very interested. So it's very, it's a very interesting one to watch. Uh, I'll be very curious to see how Lane Hudson does in the draft. And I'll be very curious to see how he does in the, in, in his, in his development for sure. Uh, Matthew Savoy draft range player comparison. Well, Matthew Savoy, I have heard all kinds of stuff. I mean, some people really like him, some don't. And I'm kind of um, cooler on him. Like, he's at seven on my board. The, I, I feel like beyond... So the way that I've got things structured right now is I have Wright, Lambert, Cooley in a group, uh, Slavkovsky, Juracek, Nemec in a group, and then a gigantic group from Savoy all the way down to, I believe it's Cutter Goche. And... 
any one of those guys, I think, could go in that order. And Matthew Savoy, I think, is the one that I would probably bet on first out of all of them. But he is pretty flawed. And in terms of a draft range, I mean, could I see him go fifth overall? Sure, I could. Could I see him go 15th? I could also see that happening as well. Um, would I take him at 15th? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, he is agile, skilled. It's just you want more out of him. You know he's capable of more at 5-on-5. Five five. He's, he's he doesn't have great escape speed, but he's resilient. He doesn't touch the puck nearly as much as you'd think outside the offensive zone, and it's just tough to read him sometimes. Um... I, I, I like Savoy. I want him to be a thing, and I feel like as an offensive winger at the very least, he'll be a thing. But, yeah, I don't know. He's a really weird one, but he's one of the soon-to-be-produced soon to uh, reports. So I'll have more thoughts once I go back through my video and uh, and put some thoughts together on paper. Uh, who do the Leafs grab in the late first, granted that they won't trade back? I mean, at this rate, I would not be surprised if Brad Lambert were an option for the Leafs pick. Uh, I, I mean, Gleb Trikozov would be a guy at that pick that I would, I would push for. If Philip Mayshar is there, I'd push for that. I doubt Liam Ugren would be available, but he'd be a great add. I feel like the Leafs could do a lot of good stuff with Seamus Casey uh, on the back end. Um, Noah Osland in Toronto, I think, would make a lot of sense as well. Uh, I mean, I remember when William Nylander was drafted and he was 160 pounds soaking wet. And now he definitely is not. And Noah Oslin might be another one of those guys. Um, they'll have options. Like any team later in the first round this year, I think will have the option of taking a swing on a really good player, personally. Uh, and Toronto is one of those. Which team is most likely to go off the board first in the upcoming draft? Oh, that's always fun. I mean, the easy answer is is Ottawa. But I wouldn't count out Arizona. I mean, Arizona taking Gunther last year was kind of a given. Like, he was one of the best players left available at their pick um, at the time. Um, oh, Ray, thank you very much for the reminder to stay hydrated. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do that. I've got a big old glass of H2O next to me. Um, Arizona does come to mind, though, because some of their picks, like, later on in last year's draft under their new regime was a little bit strange. Um, we don't really talk about the 2020 draft either because of obvious reasons, but... They do tend to go off the board a little bit, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised there. Philadelphia, maybe. Like, I don't know what... Like, I don't know. Philadelphia seems like a team that's in very confusing places right now. And I feel like when that happens, teams kind of maybe act a little irrationally. Also, ignore the player. This was from the live stream. I'm just doing this so that I can see what teams are drafting really high this year. So I'm just going to delete this because I don't want anyone thinking that's an actual mock draft I'm putting together because that would be bad. Um, so yeah, I'd say I'd say Arizona or Philadelphia, I could see going a little bit off the board. Uh, thoughts on Dalibor Dvorsky. Could, be in the, could he be in the conversation with Bedard, Matt, Mitchkov, and Fantilli? I don't think he will be. Um, I don't, I don't think he'll be in that conversation. I mean, I think he'll be in the first round conversation next year for sure, but I don't think he's on that level. Um, uh, I don't know. That to me is pretty simple. Uh, that, that doesn't need a, a 400 word answer there. I, I just don't think he's on that level. Uh, thoughts on Michael Master Domenico. I want to like him a lot. I pulled him off my list after the U18s. I mean, I, I like the, uh, mobility that he's got, you know, he's pretty fluid on his feet. He's got a really nice shot from the point, quick wrist shot for sure, uh, uses it, but you know, when I saw him at the under-18s, I thought, okay, he's going to play a lot of minutes against good competition consistently, and, like, let's see how he does. 
And I just did not see much out of any defenseman on that team, except maybe Owen Pickering from time to time where I'm going, yeah, this is, this is what I want. Um, I just feel like there's going to be other guys that I'll add, but I do, he does have qualities that I've, I've latched onto, but, um, that's the, that's a tough one for me, uh, at this point. And I've watched a few, I've tracked a few games of his and there's some good moments, but overall pretty quiet, unassuming defenseman that has a, some offensive tools that are kind of neat. Can you name some forwards and defensemen who would be available in the third round for the Leafs? Also, any thoughts on Noah Warren? I think his style would complement Morgan Riley if he hits his full potential. So I'm just going to stop you right there on point number two about Noah Warren. If you're looking for your first pair mate with Morgan Riley in the third round of the NHL draft and it's Noah Warren, I don't think that's going to work. Because it also breaks my cardinal rule of don't draft for what you need now when Noah Warren is going to probably, if he does play, play in the NHL in 2025. And who knows what's going to be going on in Toronto uh, in three years. Um, Topi Nimala might be Morgan Riley. I think it's more likely Topi Nimala is Morgan Riley's partner than Noah Warren at the end of the day. Um, but uh, who, could, who could be available for them in the third round? Gleb Trikazov could be there in the third round. Um... Vladimir Grudinin could be there in the third round. Noah Oslin might be a third round pick, maybe at this rate. Uh, who else? Uh, I'd be curious if Lane Hudson were there in the third round. I would make that bet easily. Matthias Havlid is another one. Um, if if everybody is totally forgotten about Ty Nelson, I'd be fascinated if Toronto went out and added him. Uh, Adam Sakora, maybe. I doubt it at this point, but it's possible in the third round. Um, Paul Ludwinski in Toronto, I feel like would be an interesting pickup in the third round as well. Um, who else? Uh, I doubt Christian Cairo is available then, but maybe, um, Julian Lutz could be an interesting one in the third round for Toronto. There's going to be options. Like guys are going to slip through and I get the feeling that teams in the, in through the third round this year are going to get guys where I'm like, yeah, this is a pretty talented player. Let's see what happens. Oh, that's true. Let's go Rangers. I got to put that, put that game on in the side here. Um, but yeah, uh, they'll have options. I think every, I think every team will have reasonable options with which to add some good value, uh, or they could punt their picks and draft whoever is tallest. But my thoughts on Noah Warren, I mean, Noah Warren's going to be a guy that NHL coaches are just going to play. Like they're going to give him a chance. Um, and then he's probably going to do okay and spend a couple of years there, then get traded or sign with another team or, and do okay there. Like, I feel like Warren's just a carbon copy, you know, bottom pair NHL defense first guy, very little in the way of offensive tools, but pretty mobile and physical, um, smart defensive player, I suppose, but just a guy where I'm going, all right, like what he could be, you can get in the NHL pretty often, but he is pretty good at what he does. Like a team will probably draft him like 37th overall while Noah Oslin's on the board. And I'm going no universe. Am I taking that, making that move? But in five years, I could see Noah Warren being a bottom pair guy and, and doing okay. Um, where Noah Oslin might, might take a bit longer. Uh, but that's just an example. Uh, is right. Slavkovsky, Cooley, Nemich, Juracek, the most realistic top five. Um, judging by who's picking where, I mean, Shane Wright's going one. I, I don't think that that's in contention, really, like realistically. Slavkovsky, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, everybody was saying Luke Hughes was going to go to New Jersey, and, I mean, that turned out to be true. 
I don't know if it, if it is Slavkovsky for New Jersey, like God, good luck. Like he's a good player, but I'd have a really hard time passing up on the offensive talent that Logan Cooley brings or seeing what you could get for that pick. Um, I would be very interested in seeing what happens there, but I, I don't, I've, I watched Slavkovsky this week. He's gotten better over the course of the year. I still don't think he's rock solid as like a top player in this year's draft. Like he's number four for me, but I don't know. I, I still think Logan Cooley is, is ahead of him. And uh, Cooley to Arizona, I hope that doesn't happen because Arizona, I don't know. I just, I don't know if I trust Arizona. Logan Cooley in Seattle would be a lot of fun, but I mean, I guess Nemich going, like someone like Simon Nemich in Arizona seems to be a, a thing that I could see happening or David Juracek. Juracek probably seems more likely. Um... I don't know. I, I I don't know. And the most realistic top five, I mean, according to the rankings that I keep, the most realistic top five is pretty clear of Wright, Cooley, Slavkovsky, Nemec, and Savoy. But I would throw Juracek in there uh, almost for sure. But beyond that, it's a crapshoot. Um, but you never know. There's always, I mean, Morgan Geeky could be a top five pick. You know, I, I get the feeling there's a there are many universes where where Morgan Geeky or Morgan Connor Geeky becomes a a a, a, a top five pick. Uh, thoughts on Marco Casper, who seems to be rising up draft boards. Yeah, I mean he had a good playoff and he's in the World Championships playing for Austria like first line minutes, which is cool. Um, I like Marco Casper. I think he's pretty easy to evaluate. Um, you know he can shoot, but I think that the big thing that he does really well is just has a really smart and consistent work rate. He he knows where to be around the ice. He challenges guys along the boards. He he plays hard. He finishes his checks. You know, defensively responsible. His goal differentials were terrible this year for sure, which part of that I think is his fault, but he's always in the right place at the right time, offensively and defensively. You know, he knows where to when to go to the net. He knows how to get to the net. He knows how to tip pucks. He knows how to do a lot right. Um, it's just a matter of like upside. He's not the most agile, not the most skilled guy, you know, just a very sort of North South dependable 200 foot guy that can play wing. He can play center. Um, you know, he wouldn't be the sexiest pick. I think there's room to grow for him for sure. Uh, but I feel like he's going to be sort of a middle six, uh, you know, middle six sort of Swiss army knife, you know, do it all kind of physical guy that, that you can sort of depend on. Uh, has Matejchuk improved his all-around game through the year? His points and track data look amazing. Uh, not really. I mean, I don't know. Denton Matejchuk is going to be fascinating. Like, in my putting on my NHL scout hat, I want him to be a thing, but I also am terrified if I'm the team drafting him unless it's, like, 30th overall or if it's my second pick in the draft. Um... I don't think I'd make him my first pick in the draft. I mean, his tracked data for me is okay. It's it's okay uh, in in a few ways, I guess. It's it's uh, I don't know. I, I I watch him, and it's hard to articulate exactly why I don't think he projects as well as his production might indicate. Like he's pretty much a forward in the offensive zone. Uh, doesn't really work off the blue line so much as just participates deep in the offensive zone a lot more than you would think. Um, you know, his offensive generation, like it got better. I thought in the games I tracked from early to late in the year, but you know, he's, I, I think he's got some defensive issues in terms of his lateral mobility, his, his defensive rush management, 
he kind of relies on getting out of his pivots and getting to pucks first in transition, which can work, but if it doesn't, you're kind of screwed. And I've seen him do that a few times where they're coming the other way, two-on-one, three-on-one. Um, and it's, you know, you the right team's going to gonna get him. They got to get him, and the right team is going to nurture him. But I wonder if the feet are actually good enough to project um, – I wonder if his defensive game is going to be there enough or if his line mates are going to cover for him enough where they're going to be able to cover for him consistently and like know what he's up, what's up, what he's up, what, what what's going on with him. Um, You know, he's a guy that passes the puck, I think, more than anyone I've ever tracked over a consistent basis. Like Moose Jaw runs, runs pucks through him constantly. Uh, and, you know, he's successful most of the time, but that's when his passing is relatively simple. Um, when things are a little bit more complicated, getting pucks up the ice across blue lines and everything, that's when things start to slow down. And he's more of a 50-50 split on that when most good defensemen are at least above 60, some are over 70% in in my data. But I don't know. I mean, could he go top 10? I could see it. I wouldn't do it. But he's a player where I would also not be surprised if in 10 years he's scoring a ton of points in the NHL, even if he doesn't play a ton of defense but on the other hand there's lots and lots of defensemen that kind of give you the heebie-jeebies that score a lot of points because a lot of it is basically they play rover and their teams can't really work around it and you end up with tj brennan kind of thing so we'll see what happens i i don't know if denton matechuk's the second guy i'm drafting in the draft then i'm i'm happy i'm I gl- I'm, I'm happy to take a flyer but i i mean i don't know i compare him to another really heavily offensive leaning guy in lane hudson and I look at Lane Hudson and I see more deception and more skill. And I, I see, you know, like I see better pass lane creation with him than Matejchuk, at least especially nowadays, like later in the year. Whereas Matejchuk is much more sort of simple, straightforward. And then in the offensive zone, he's basically a forward. So I don't know. It, 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 we'll see what happens with him. I'll be very, very interested to see where he goes in the draft. That's for sure. Uh, no, 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 What do you think Korchinski becomes in the NHL? I, I don't know. I, people have asked me about Kevin Korchinski like a baz- bajillion times. And the player that always comes to mind, being a person who grew up in Toronto, that he reminds me of is Jake Gardner. Uh, like really smooth skater, good skill, offensive creator. You know, <clears throat> the, the pros outweigh the cons. But defensively, you always want to see more. And sometimes there are mistakes where you go, oh boy, that was not smart. Um, and sometimes it's his fault, sometimes it's not, for sure, just like it was with Jay Gardner. But he does remind me very much of that player. Like, consistent point producer, can run a power play, carries a puck really well, has some skill, um, but just hasn't, uh, you know, doesn't, ha- doesn't have the entire picture all put together just yet. Could he? Sure. Um, so I would think that he's more of like a second pair guy at the end of the day. Um, you know, good puck manager, good carrier, good offensive creator. Maybe you put him on the power play here and there, but but definitely I think he could be a top four guy uh, with some time. Have I seen Peter Hauser or Alex Sotek? I have not seen Hauser, but I have seen Sotek. I like him. Uh, he's got a, he's a high-paced guy. He's fun to watch. I don't have him ranked, but if he gets picked, I wouldn't be surprised. It'd be a nice, nice late-round flyer. Uh, I like Sotek. Um, didn't produce a ton outside of the junior level this year, but with uh, Slova, he, he's with Slova and Bratislava, I think, and, and I thought he played pretty well in really limited minutes there. Um, you know, he's he he works hard. He he's got pace, but he doesn't have a ton of speed and 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 uh, 
he doesn't really have a ton of speed or, or, or strength yet, but an interesting one for sure. Uh, Korczynski versus Nemich. So interesting pair. They're, they're similar. Um, I think Nemich is a better puck carrier in terms of driving up the ice with actual pace and speed. Korczynski is a little more methodical and, you know, from what I gather, he, he's a better sort of passer and surveyor of the ice, sort of juggling multiple options. Whereas Nemich is just a lot of, if, if Nemich is, you'll, you'll see in the report, there's a report on Nemich coming out soon. Uh, patrons should have it sometime next week. But with Nemich, the data for him passing the puck is exponentially worse than carrying it. And he passed the puck way more up the ice than he did carrying it. But he was way more effective carrying it in my view. And he looked a lot better doing that. Um, so I would prefer to see Nemich sort of leaning into that a little bit more. It's almost like Simon Edvinson a little. Um, and I want to see Nemich sort of leaning into that, whereas Korchinski kind of juggles things a little bit better. But with Nemich, I just, I love his puck carrying a lot more. He has more, more speed and power to it. Uh, but they both have comparable defensive issues. I'd say Nemich is maybe a little less worrisome. Um, but at the, at, but there are, I'd say there are moments with Nemich that are worse than Korchinski's worst moments. But overall, he seems to be a little bit better off than Korchinski, but we're kind of splitting hairs a little. Uh, am I wrong to think of Goche as having Larkin's offensive upside? They seem comparable as solid all-around players with Larkin's defensive game edging Goche out. I would disagree. I don't... I look at Dylan Larkin and see a guy who's marked by his speed uh, and, and skill and pace. And like, yeah, he's well-rounded for sure, but that, that speed is something that at least I have not seen out of Cutter Goche. Um, someone, I think someone asked later why he... Uh, why he, um, you know, why he dropped. And I think it's just because in the group that he's in, like, I love the skill. I love the finishing ability, but, you know, he really reminds me of like Chaz Lucius last year, but like not as, not as gifted of a goal scorer where it's, you know, he's got a shot. He for sure has a shot, really good pre-shot skill, um, but underwhelming transition results, at least in terms of volume, he's efficient for sure. Um, but barely does much defensively in transition like Lucius did, you know, somewhat low on the involvement rate for offensive and offensive transitions, you know, and his offensive creation is behind that of a few other NTDP guys like Nazer and Howard and, and Cooley. Um, but he does, when he's at his best, he's really good. And so he's a player who I think if a team can capture his upside as a big skilled player shoot first, ask questions later winger, um, then there could be something there. Uh, but again, we're talking like when I think about high draft picks, I'm looking for all around value that I can see and evaluate and, and bet on and not hoping that things fall into place um, because you don't want things to not fall in place and have guys that you liked go after and then kind of work out. Oh, there goes the Hurricanes up to one. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I like Cutter Goche, but uh, in terms of that group, he's now sort of at the tail end of it. Like, and if it came down to him or Cut or Yuri Kulich, I don't know who honestly I would lean towards. And part of me wants to say Kulich, but they're ranked back to back now. Even Connor Geeky, like they're there. I I I don't know. With 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 Goche, I think he's just been knocked down a little bit uh, of a peg or two uh, in the last couple of games I've watched him. Uh, but I like him. He's fun. Uh, certainly fun. Pronman had the Habs picking, picking Philip Beestead in his mock draft. What does Beestead project into? Think he plays in the NHL. So similar to Cutter Goche, actually. Philip Beestead is one of these guys who has size and some skill, 
but you just don't see it enough. You just don't. And he and he's he's kind of ho hum unless he knows he's in a situation where he can dominate. Like the J twenty level, he can he can get get around guys with power and strength and skill. And in the SHL, it's not quite there yet. I think if you leave him in Sweden for like three years, you could end up with a really good power forward uh, with some skill there as well. Do I think he plays in the NHL? I think he could get there for sure, but especially with the size that he's got. But he is a bit of a longer-term thing because I, I he's one of these guys where last year I remember liking him a lot more than I did this year. Um, you know, he's just outside my first round. Um, he's at 45, so in my mid-second. And I could see a team picking him late in the first. Like, he's in a tier that goes into the late first. I could see it happening. But I don't, I don't, I don't expect it. Um, you know, he had all the, all the opportunity in the world at the world juniors or at the under 18s to, to, to show off a lot of what he can do. I I don't know. I didn't see much. I mean, I want to double check that he was there. I'm almost certain he was, um, let me just double check. So I don't act a fool. So I'm not being a fool. Uh, yes, he was there and yeah, he was half a point per game. Um, you know, I, 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 I expected to see him sort of grab the reins of the tournament. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, but we'll see what happens with him. I, I could see him go in the first round and I wouldn't hate it. Um, I think there would be better players that I would swing on, but if you wait and you're patient and you capture what he's really good at more often, then there's a lot to like there. Uh, you 20 players need to face the music. Oh yeah. Okay. So if you haven't read that story, uh, on TSN from Rick Westhead today about the hockey Canada settlement, uh, over, uh, some sexual assault, case that that occurred um with the 2018 world junior team i want to say 2017-18 team um which breaks my heart because that team was a lot of fun to watch uh you got to read that story uh then down goes seth jarvis um you got to read that story because it is uh harrowing and awful and obviously a trigger slash content warning on that um because that's really a terrible story Uh, and I mean, look, all I'll say about this is they're not naming the players who were involved, but if I were one of the players on the team who was on the group and not involved, I would be pretty furious and want to know who it was, especially in the current political climate, because I can't, I, I don't know. That's just me in that position as a, as a teammate of these people. And if they did something like that where I wasn't involved and they're still peers of mine, like some of those guys were teammates in the NHL. Most of those guys are now NHL players. Like if that story is true, which I mean, you have to believe the victims in this situation. Like if it's true, then there are a large number of, and there, there's a number that's too big of NHL players who were out there making millions and millions of dollars uh, and, and had this go away. But they were, but they they were there, and they did that. So I don't know. Read the story. It's important to to read because it just reinforces a lot of what people are trying to have changed. Um, but it's an awful, awful, awful thing to read, and uh, we'll see what comes out of it. I imagine nothing will come out of it because I don't know. Another thing we're learning this week is that we have no low barrier anymore for horrible, horrible stuff that you know need whatever. You know what I'm getting at. Um, but it's a great, it's a, it's a really important article to read, uh, from Westhead. So go pick it up. Uh, Sabres have picks nine, 16, 28. If we want Lambert, do you take him at nine or hope he drops? Well, you could probably get him at 16. Um, 
that's my hunch is is i would say if i mean teams have done their intel right i would say uh i would say if they are 16 uh if, if it's at 16 then then go for it um i i don't know but you'd have to do the intel i don't i would take them at nine i would take them at nine personally but you could probably get them at you could probably get them at 16 it depends on who's left on the board at nine. Like if Logan Cooley's available at nine or something, then I could do that uh, and hope Rad Lambert goes to 16. But at, if, if I got to take Lambert at nine, then I'll do it. Um, is Marcus Nguyen... Uh, oh, lost the question. Is Marcus Nguyen good value in the later rounds? I think that's what that question was. Uh, yes, uh, I would say he is. Um, another game of his today where he played pretty darn well. I mean, another one of these guys where not much outside the offensive zone happens. Um, but in the offensive zone, I mean, he, he was beating out icings. He was doing a whole lot of stuff really, really well. Um, you know, good creator, really strong per 60 minute data in terms of offensive creation. Love. I love it. I think he, I think he's, I think he's a good late round swing. The only thing that sucks is that you only have the rights for two years and then he's right into the AHL. Like it depends on who's available. Like if Vladimir Gradinin is in the late rounds that I'm taking Gradinin every day over Nguyen, but Nguyen I think Nguyen should be picked, and he should be on Central Scouting's list. Uh, so credit to Joel Henderson for for pointing him out. But yeah, I'm a fan. Um, hope hope he gets drafted because it would be really great. But uh, yeah, he's 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 solid. Um, Jack Olson, thoughts on the silly the silly the silky Slovaks in the IIHF Championship. So to be honest, I haven't seen as much of that tournament as you might think. Uh, I've been po- po- poking poking in and out on some guys that are on the younger end of the tournament. Um, but not like full length games yet, but they've been having a pretty good tournament from what I can gather. Uh, I mean, it's good to see Adam Sakura get some attention. Uh, obviously Slavkovsky's having a real good tournament, but, uh, I can't say I've seen a ton of the tournament. So my, my apologies. Um, oh, Hayden Soboleski. Hello, sir. Goodbye. Um, please help me feel better about the devil's inevitably taking Slavkovsky over Cooley. Okay. Uh, good question. Well, not question, but good thought. Look, You'll be fine. There's a there's a universe there's a universe where Slavkovsky is one of the best power forwards in the NHL. Like I can't say that's not going to happen. He's already really good along the boards. He's already really strong at getting off the boards. Um, you know, he's already he's gotten a lot better passing the puck in transition and just hitting his targets a little more often. Um, you know, he he has better awareness of his line mates and has a better ability to hit targets than I saw early in the year. I still worry about his skill at high pace and his general pace in general. Um, you know, his really projectable scoring ability. He loves to shoot from you know, in the face-off circles uh, as opposed to sort of really cutting in and getting into those really dangerous areas. Uh, there's a lot to like about him, but, you know, it's just risk, right? With Cooley, I see more offensive upside. Like, the only thing Slavkovsky has, in my view, that Cooley doesn't is the size. Cooley, you know, they're they're both... I'd say relatively comparable defensively. Like you both kind of wish they would do a little more, but that's not a, I don't think that's what you draft them for with Cooley. I think he's more creative. He's more dynamic, more skilled, just smaller. And Slavkovsky is more powerful. He's better along the boards. He's that NHL. You can tell he's going to be an NHL player of some kind. So we'll see what happens with him. But if that's the call that New Jersey makes as everyone seems to think they're gonna, in New Jersey, at least, uh, then all the more power to you. I, I, it could work. It could work. It, it could work. Um, but for me, 
you don't see guys like Logan Cooley come along very often. You don't see guys like Slavkovsky come around very often. But Slavkovsky, I just don't think in the NHL, peaks as more than what players like Slavkovsky are in the NHL, which are, you know, like he's not Miko Rantanen, I don't think. I, I don't think he's Miko Rantanen. I've heard people compare him there. You know, like I think what you're hoping for with Slavkovsky is like a Valerie Nichushkin. Like that's the type of player that I could kind of see Slavkovsky really being realistically but that's like you know really hopeful um but it's not impossible it's not impossible i will say that uh how has Yurichek looked post-surgery saw a few people commenting that his skating looks rough well look i'm not gonna i've seen that and look i don't think it's i think it's insane to try to analyze a kid's skating stride when he literally just came back from knee surgery um and hasn't played in months like things are going to look wonky, right? Like, but that doesn't mean they're going to be wonky forever. How many, how many times have athletes had surgery and been out for a long time and come back and been fine? Even if it's a bit of a slow return, it's pretty rare. It's pretty rare now to see players, especially when they're really young, have surgery, major surgery, and have their careers destroyed. Like multiple injuries, sure, it's it's problematic, like multiple. But one thing that has really changed in sports science from even when I was in university, like 15, oh my God, I went to university 14 years ago. Jeez. Uh, but like back then, like even between then and when I left university, like the, the, the length of strides that, that, that surgeons have made in things like ACL repair, MCL repair, whatever, all the ligaments in your knee, like the strides they've made are pretty remarkable. Like there were days where instead of a ligament in there, they'd stick a wire between your knee, between your leg bones. And nowadays they can just take a, a bit of your muscle tendons and weave them together and stick them in your knee. Uh, and, and it's a lot more natural and your body doesn't reject it and it doesn't hurt as much and you're back on your feet pretty quick. I did track Eurocheck today. I've done two games of him with the Czech national team since he's come back. I'd say that his skating doesn't look as mo fluid or mobile as it did in December, but I also would not expect it to be perfect right away. Um, he still played relatively well in those games, but you definitely, he, he wasn't the same player, but I also don't think he'll be bad forever. And he wasn't even bad today. Will it spook me in the draft? Like, I don't know. I would still take Logan Cooley over him. I'd still take Slavkovsky over him. I'd still take Brad Lambert over him. But between him, Nemich, maybe even Savoy, Kamel, probably not. But like those guys, like I don't know. Like sure, I'd take a swing on those guys or trade back. You know, one of the one or the other. I don't know. Um, the point is, I don't. I don't. I don't really. I don't think you can draw conclusions. Basically, is what I'm saying. He's not done. Um, and he's and he was gone for like four months. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned, especially because of how not rudimentary, but how knee surgeries are not what they once were in my, in my, to my knowledge and experience. Not that I've had knee surgery. Um, I know people who have, um, but anyway, um, he also will have access to the best rehabilitation services you could probably imagine, I would think, or at least very good ones, especially once he's drafted. Pick a booth, Callum or Angus. Pass. Uh, has Slavkovsky risen or looked better to you due to his play in the IIHF? No. Uh, he's looked, he's he's stayed where he is on my board because I've always thought he was pretty good, but he's gotten better as the year's gone on. 
um, just a lot more comfortable and aware uh, and and getting off the boards better, but still want to see more out of him. And the IIHF tournament, look, not very many draft eligible players play in the world championships. And like, that's notable for sure. But also that means that a lot of uh, draft eligible players don't get the benefit of showing off in this tournament. Like what if Shane Wright were there right now? Could he play on this? Could he play on a team full of like basically low level NHL and, and good AHL talent or KHL talent or whatever, wherever the Canadian team came from this year? Yeah, probably he could chip in and play. Could he generate points? Sure. He could. Could Logan Cooley play on the States team? Maybe I could see it. Matthew Beniers did last year and he didn't look out of place. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I look at that at the IIHF tournaments and go, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Slavkovsky also has produced a lot against teams like, I believe, uh, Austria and even the Swiss team has kind of taken steps back. I don't really think too much about the world championships unless the player looks really, really, really dominant. And from the limited stuff I've seen of him, it's like, it's what I've expected, which is a top five, you know, it's, it's a top five pick in the draft, I'd think. And, uh, he's got upside, but th there's, there's risk, I, you know, uh, Jordan. Hello, sir. Uh, are there players who you would stay away from for non-hockey issues like the Arizona Montreal fiasco? Of course, no need to provide details if you're uncomfortable. Answer is no. Uh, I haven't heard anything. So with Mitch Miller, uh, that came up pretty early in the year, like around January, I think. And the same thing with Mayu around the same time. And word travels pretty quick. So obviously there's very easily likely to be things behind closed doors that no one is aware of, really. I don't know. Like, we just found out that there was a massive case of disgusting sexual assault on the uh, Canadian world junior team just four years ago, uh, with a bunch of members of that team. That would be, it was, I believe they named, they mentioned eight players on the team. That's a third of the team. So who knows, uh, what's going on out there. But in terms of stuff that like literally is in the news, uh, no, nothing. Um, you're named Will Scouch, NHL general manager of a rebuilding team. Oh God, help them. Uh, ideally in a draft, would you prefer to have less picks, but higher quality or more picks, even if they are the highest? volume give me volume all day i want the i want the bullets and the i want the i want the the cupcakes to throw at the wall i want i want all the sprinkles to put on my sunday uh to you know I, I don't know i don't want i don't want one delicious sprinkle give me give me a thousand decent sprinkles and i'll just eat you know i'll just i'll just suck on the sugar for 10 minutes or something i don't know you you know where i'm kind of yeah i take the volume is what i'm saying um ottawa at seven will take cutter goche if they don't trade it uh no ottawa at seven they're gonna take matias sapovalov that's who they're gonna take uh is there anyone in the scouting community whose rankings you find yourself strongly but respectfully disagreeing with the most hmm um it's a good question uh i mean i have a lot of respect for craig button like I, I, I really disagree with his evaluations in a lot of ways, but I still know that he does the work. Like he, 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 and it's very clear to me that he doesn't give a crap what anyone thinks. He doesn't care at all, uh, about what, what, and he's been facing the kind of feedback from the public for years that he's been getting recently about his lists and everything. And I, I really do think, um, I really do think that he is a great dude. I only met him very briefly once. 
Uh, I don't even know if he'd remember me. Um, but, but he was nice and everything I've heard about him, he's like super, super nice, has tons of time for everyone. Um, big or small, not, not physically, but like, you know, internet clout wise. Um, and I mean, look, I, I can disagree with his list, but I feel like I can still have a reasonable conversation about, about hockey with the guy. Um, and I, I know where his biases lie, I think, and I might disagree, but I have a lot of time for him as a person and as a broadcaster. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I love, I love listening. I love listening to, I loved listening to him talk about Owen Pickering when he would just pass the puck out of the defensive zone and going, Oh, he's so poised, blah, 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 Owen Pickering. And it's, you know, I love that, even though I'm sort of sitting there going, yeah, you know, yeah, but I love the energy. I love, I love what he brings to the table. Uh, have you been following the wagon that is the Bulldogs? Thoughts on Morrison and Hayes? Any overagers you're high on going into the draft? So Avery Hayes is someone that I actually do need to sort of circle back on. I haven't watched him in a very long time, but I do remember liking him two years ago um, when I when I caught him. Uh, Logan Morrison, I, I wouldn't draft him, but I mean, I'd give him an invite to camp and see if there's anything there. I've never been a huge fan of Morrison as an NHL prospect, um, but I mean, he's played well this season for sure. Uh, I just don't think I'd sign him, but yes, I have been following the wagon. That is the bulldogs. They they're right down the road from me. So yeah, all always down to, to, to rep the yellow and black, even though I'm not doing that right now. Um, uh, uh, any spot check and Nino Tomov thoughts? Uh, yeah, I've seen both meh Nino Tomov. I only caught like two games cause he barely played in the Czech league this year. I know he scored, some points I believe and and that puts them high on elite prospects but both of those players I haven't I haven't really been that blown away spot check might get drafted because of you know he's a good re-entry player this year I don't have him ranked but um I could see a team taking him uh is Lane Hudson the next uh Eric Brandstrom I think at the same age Branston was a better skater, like more dynamic and more explosive and speedier whereas Hudson is more deceptive and skilled but I mean, there's no reason to believe that Hudson can't build on his skating ability to get to that point. So it's possible they're kind of cut from the same cloth and I would love to have both of them. Um, but yeah, I'd say Hudson is, uh, you know, in the same, he's in the same alley, but not necessarily the same, you know, same, same Alexander's. Oh boy. I need a water break. There was a peppercorn stuck in my throat. Had a roasted roasted uh, chicken thighs. Um, hot tip. Here's a hot tip from your from your chef daddy. Um, I, I learned this from Adam Ragusea, so I can't tell you I, I I've stolen it. But we eat chicken thighs in this house a lot uh, as our as our protein uh, of the of the week. It's the, it's buying the skin on bone in chicken thighs. They're cheap. They're usually pretty good. And you can't screw them up. You can leave them in the oven for an extra 20 minutes and they'll still taste really good. But here's what we do to speed up the process and make life a little easier on the back end of things. We score down the bone of the chicken thigh, cut on either side of the chicken thigh, stick a boning knife behind the bone that you've cut on either side, and slice up to the top to remove the top end of the bone. And then you hold the bone and then just scrape the meat off the bottom of the bone. And then you just sort of finagle it until you get the bone free and then you have a boneless chicken thigh so 
buying six boneless uh, chicken thighs in the store might cost you twice as much. Um, but for, uh, I'd say about 45 seconds to a minute of effort with a boning knife and a cutting board, um, per chicken thigh, you can have boneless chicken thighs and they're way easier to eat that way. Uh, so there's your tip of the day. Uh, really, really, uh, really good too. A little bit of little, we call it spog in the house, salt, pepper, uh, garlic powder, onion powder, you know, a little bit of olive oil, roast them for 25 minutes and ba-boom. You got, you got yourself uh, a good protein heavy meal. So there you go. Um, but yeah, Alexander Suzdalov thoughts, if you've tracked him and how are you doing? I'm doing well, Ray. It's uh, good to hear from you. You know, we chat a lot, but good to hear from you. Um, I like Alexander Suzdalov. He's got to work on his feet in terms of building speed and, and pushing pace, but the skill is really, really definitely there. He's really creative and crafty with his hands. Um, I've seen him go for the Michigan here and there this season, I believe. Uh, really interesting player. I, I wanted to see more of him at the under 18s, but unfortunately that didn't happen. Um, so yeah, uh, but I, I like Sizdalov. He's put up really good data in the games I've tracked and I've done quite a few. Um, but I don't expect like, I don't know if he's there in like the third round, I would be happy to take him. One of the more efficient and involved offensive transition guys I've tracked, um, does it a lot through carries, but you know, passing is also part of his game as well. One of the more active passers amongst forwards I've tracked. He's number two, um, number six in shot assists. So in terms of an offensive generator, an offensive transporter, he's right up there. Um, so I, I, I would, I would put some faith in Alexander Suzdalov, especially if he's later on in the draft. Is there anyone you've watched that's big and a great skater, but doesn't have much else going for them. So you didn't bother ranking or tracking them. So the first part of your question, I would say Nathan Gaucher, but I, so I always, always, always try to, especially this year, because I, I did, I, I did this a little bit last year and I definitely did it in 2020 where I sort of watched a lot of tape of a guy built my opinion and then didn't track them and said, ah, like, nah. And that's kind of burned me a little bit here and there. Like I, I've been, I've watched Emil Vero, for example, over the years since he was drafted by the Red Wings and I've come to really like him. I didn't track him. I should have. Um, so I tried this year basically, and I've started doing this a little bit recently, uh, with guys that I just haven't ever seen or at least haven't tracked. So for example, guys like Reed Schaefer, Owen Van Steenzel, uh, Vincent's Rohrer, Dylan James, like Marcus Nguyen, uh, just guys where I've had opinions of them, but I haven't tracked. And I don't like that feeling for me. I need the data and, and at least the, the minute by minute focus that it requires for me to put the data in the database to say, okay, I've taken a look at this guy. I know at least a little bit more about what I think. So I don't think there's anyone that I've really looked at that has those traits. Cause if someone's big and a great skater, like that's an interesting thing to have in conjunction at that age. So it's worth taking a closer look to see what's there. Um, and I'm just thinking about the guys that I have seen this year. And, and the one that does come to mind is Nathan Gaucher. I mean, he doesn't have a ton else going on for him, but I mean, I like how he sort of makes plays below the goal line. I like how he sort of grinds stuff out and then finds a way to get pucks out into the open, but he doesn't do that particularly often. And I, I don't know. I mean, if he's like the 40th pick in the draft uh, and the top 39 guys on my list are gone, then sure, I totally see it. But I get the feeling Gaucher is going to go like 30th 
and maybe there's something there. I can't say it's impossible, but based on what I've seen, I could see him being an NHL player, but not a particularly big needle mover outside of literally being a big, heavy, physical wrecking ball of a guy, which in the NHL, like that's a role. Coaches love guys like that some sometimes, and maybe that could work. Could Kamel challenge Lambert or Slavkovsky? I don't think so, personally. Um, I don't know. I've got a lot of questions about Kamel, but I, I don't think so. I think he's the next group below, but and pretty high in that group, but I think there's a bit of a ways between them. How do you like the comparison of Slavkovsky to Joel Armia, both puck-keeping wingers? Eh, I mean, I kind of see it. I kind of get what that kind of is getting at. Um, I'm trying to think of NHL players that he really reminds me of. I mean, I don't know, like what Jesse Puglia-Yarvi is now, I could see being like the reasonable expectation for Slavkovsky, but the optimistic one may be more of a Valerie Nichushkin kind of thing. But Joel Army is in there somewhere for sure. He's in the, he's in the same universe. Uh, Sharks need a goal, need, need goaltending. Yeah, no. The Sharks need defense. Is Korchinski still there at 11? And if not, who takes him? Um, so Korchinski at 11, I think will be there. I mean, may, may, I, he probably will be there, but I wouldn't be shocked, uh, if he goes ahead of the, uh, ahead of that, <clears throat> ahead of that range. Let me take a look. Uh, so who could pick him ahead of them? Buffalo with him could be really interesting. I would be surprised if they went that direction, but that would be interesting. Um, Ottawa maybe, but they already have a ton of defensemen, um, Columbus he seems maybe like a Columbus type outside of that I don't see it I maybe he's there he probably will be there at 11 I would say but I wouldn't be shocked if he was taken before um would I take him if I were San Jose at 11 depends on who's left on the board but if a guy like Nemich and Yurichek are off the board and if you really do want defense uh then you then you go for Korchinski I would say as a reasonable bet even though I like a couple other guys a little bit more. I don't know. I I also feel like if you're talking about what sharks what the sharks need, again, you don't draft for what you need now. Kevin Korchinski's not going to be on the San Jose Sharks in 2022-23. He's probably not even going to be there 23-24. Like you're looking at a guy who's going to be in the in the NHL system at all in 2024-25. Are the San Jose Sharks going to look like this in 2024-25? No. They're probably, they probably know they need defense and they're probably going to look for defense elsewhere. Uh, and the draft is just where you get your good players. Um, I'm forced to watch the OJHL. Oh, David St. Louis. I'm so sorry, sir. Have you watched George Figaris and Jack Sparks? I have not seen Jack Sparks, but I've seen George Figaris. He's good enough where he's on my watch list. I don't think there's enough there where I'm like, yeah, like I'm going to draft George Figaris, but He's skilled. He's got some size. Um, against the OJHL, he has enough escape speed to get away from guys. He's, I mean, I think he will get drafted. Um, I, I like certain areas of his game. I haven't tracked anything because I don't want to watch the OJHL. And luckily, being an independent person, no one can force me to watch him. Um, but I, I don't know. I, he, I was up, I was up late a, a, a while ago, a couple of weeks ago, when the central scouting list came up. And just started watching a bunch of the guys just quickly in isolation of the guys who I had never seen before that was on relatively high on that on those lists. And Figaris was the one of the few that I thought really stood out 
Um, but again, that's in the OJHL, and that's a wild card uh, league. Jack Sparks, I haven't seen, so I'll, I'll check him out. I want the Habs to pick Lane Hudson with Calgary's pick at 25. Is that a good idea, or should the Habs pick Casey Havlid and come back to Hudson in the second or third round? Well, I can't tell you who likes Lane Hudson. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I would be shocked if Lane Hudson in the NHL draft went in the first round, but I would be pleasantly surprised. Uh, I I really like him. I really want a team to take a chance on him. I would. I I like. I just. He's one of these guys where. I want to just like put a seat next to me. I have a chair behind my green screen and I just want to bring it around, teleport Lane Hudson here and like do the, the, from, um, happy Gilmore where you, he grabs the kid's face after he's like, I want to, I can't wait to grow up. And he just like does the whole never say that kind of thing. I just want to do that to him and go like, keep doing what you're doing and just like keep getting better because I think you're awesome and like a great player and just a ton of fun to watch, and I want you to be a thing so bad, and, like, I'm going to be your fan forever. Because I love the creativity and, and the the deception and the shiftiness that he brings, and it's, it's it's you know, you really want it to work. Uh, so, but but I can also see how a lot of people would be skeptical, and a lot of people would be kind of spooked to use a first-round pick on him, but I would love to see it happen. Um... So is it crazy to do it there? In a sense, yes. I think it's a good crazy to do there, but I think it's more likely that you pick a guy like Havlid, Casey probably, I would say, and then swing back and Hudson is probably available with one of those second round picks Montreal has. Uh, why do I have Cutter Goche falling? Kind of went over that already. Um, which CHL team has the best draft in terms of talent? This year, probably the WHL. I mean the the OHL has the OHL has Shane Wright, so that kind of helps. Uh, the WHL, yeah, yeah. I mean the 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 OHL has the star power. I think the WHL has the depth. Guys like Matejchuk, Furkus, Pickering, Geeky, uh, Grudinin, or not Grudinin, uh, Korchinski, Savoy. The OHL, I think, is just a bit of a step behind. Like Owen Beck, I like Owen Beck, but not as much as like Owen Pickering. I like Luca Del Belbaluz, but not as much as Jagger Furkus. I like Paul Ludwinski, but not not quite as much as a Mats Lindgren or something. Like I don't know, I'm just jumping around with names. Not as much as Connor Geeky, for example. So yeah, I go with the WHL, but the OHL has that that star power. It's not the Q. I'll tell you that much. Um. Right now, how high would you take Miroshnashenko? God, I don't know. Um, see, again, like, this is the dilemma of being an NHL draft person. And, like, at the NHL draft, like, you got to pick someone. And in this year's draft, like, if it's if it's 15th overall and Brad Lambert's still on the board, I'm not drafting Ivan Miroshnashenko. If it's 30th overall, Miroshnashenko's still there. Yuri Kulich is on the board. I don't think I'm drafting Roshnashenko. If it's 40th overall, Noah Osland's still on the board. I'm probably taking Noah Osland. Probably not taking Roshnashenko. If it's 60th overall, Vladimir Grudinin's probably on the board. Gleb Trikasov's probably on the board. Probably going with Gleb Trikasov over Ivan Roshnashenko. If it's 80th overall, Vladimir Grudinin, is he available? Lane Hudson? I'd... I don't know. I feel like I part of me would rather have those guys than Ivan Rushnashenko, but it gets a little closer in that range. I like I like Rushnashenko. I think he got a bad rap before his diagnosis and dis- departure from his team, but yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. It's a little weird. It's a tough call. Um, can we add an I don't know counter? Yeah, I mean that's welcome to the welcome to the show. <laughs> Uh, but you know what they say, certainty is the enemy of, I don't know, reason? I don't know. Anyway, how far do you think Lub will fall? Late third or fourth? He'll probably. The answer to your question is yes. Um, looking forward to future Red Wing Matthew Savoy's profile. <laughs> yeah. Matthew Savoy in Detroit would be fun. And yes, his profile's coming soon. So Nemich is soon, him, he's soon, and then a couple others coming after that. Um, oh god, this this Calgary-Edmonton game is going to be a hoot. Um, other than just play grit, does Slavkovsky play good two-way defense offense game? Is grit something worth selecting a guy at second overall? If people are telling you Yuri Slavkovsky is, like, gritty, I don't, I don't know where that's really coming from. Like, he's not going to go out there and crush guys. He's not going to go out there and mix things up after the face-off. He's a, he's a reasonably, like, skilled and... You know, like he's very resistant to pressure and he's, he's very, uh, strong for a young guy for sure, but he's, I wouldn't categorize him as gritty. Um, he's to me, he's more of an offensive leaning guy. Um, you know, his, he, he, but, but could he get better defensively? Absolutely. He's got the frame for it. He's got the, the sort of mentality for it. Um, just the results aren't particularly good in that area, but I don't know. I still feel like his best traits are going to be, uh, are going to be, you know, possession along the boards and, and those kinds of things. Uh, rumor in Ottawa is the sense pick is very much a for sales has a, has, has a very, has a, ugh. the sense pick is very much for sale, very much for a for sale sign on it. I, okay. For a Fiala type included in a bigger package. I mean, yeah, Ottawa seems to be putting that out there quite a lot, or at least someone is. I don't know. Um, I mean, if 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 seventh overall plus some of the talent you've drafted gets you Kevin Fiala and a con like a long term deal with him, yeah, I'd probably make that trade too. Like the seventh is this like realistically is the seventh overall pick like. Let's say it's Matthew Savoy, who's seven on my board. If are, are you hoping that Matthew Savoy is Kevin Fiala one day? I would say that's a reasonable hope. Like, Kevin Fiala scored a ton as a junior, but people had questions about his projectability scoring. It took him a little while to figure it out. Now he's a point-per-game guy. Is Matthew Savoy going to have the same career trajectory? I could see it. Would I trade the pick to have that situation as a maybe turn into a yes? and add Fiala like right now to a team that ideally would like to compete for the playoffs next season in a really hard division. Yeah. I think that would kind of make sense. Like the Ottawa senators have drafted a lot over the last few years and in this year's draft, like, yeah, it might be time to see if there's a deal to be made, but we'll see what happens. Uh, do you think Nathan Gauthier will go higher than expected? Yes. What would the price be for the Habs to trade the second overall pick? Uh, who are you trading them to? What are you getting in return? Second overall picks never get traded, so I don't know. Uh, who do you prefer between Sanderson, Edmondson, or Juracek? Really good question. Flip a coin between Sanderson and Edmondson, honestly. I lean Sanderson, but Edmondson is not done developing. Neither is Sanderson, but... I don't know. I really like the steps Edmondson took this year. Not that there's any disrespect towards Sanderson. I, I like them both. Flip a coin, but I think I lean Edmondson. But Sanderson is no slouch. I would be happy to have either.
Let's say the Wild trade Fiala for seventh overall. Who do you reckon they'll take with Wallstead and a bunch of defensive prospects at the moment? Um, I don't know. I'd like to see Brad Lambert in Minnesota. Lambert and Marco Rossi and Marakus Nudinov. Like, that would be a hoot. Um, they took Lambos and Wallstead last year. Uh, Savoy would be fun there, I think. Korchinski, I think, could be fun in Minnesota. Um, Frank Nazer could be fun in Minnesota. Liam Ogren. They'll have options. Thoughts on Lucas Dragasevich? I can't give you a ton. I only saw him at the U18s and thought he was okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen a ton of Dragasevich, to be honest. If there was one question that you could, that you, if there was one question that you always get asked but could choose to no longer get asked, which would you choose? 2024 plus draft, Josh Waugh, Russian authors, who does X team draft, etc. Probably Josh Waugh. Because <laughs> I've seen, I've, every time I get asked, I, I promise I do this. Every time people ask, I go and watch more Josh Waugh. Every time. Not like, if, if, I, if I'm asked once in a stream, I'll go out, I'll go watch. But if it's 17 times, I won't spend an hour. Uh, but I do go watch to make sure that I'm absolutely sure I feel the way I feel. And I still get questions and I still get the thoughts that I'm crazy uh, put in my head about him so that's a that's a big one the rest of them i don't mind uh because those rest ones are easy to answer the russian authors i don't know what's a book uh does who does x team draft also easy to answer because i don't know I, I know as much as most of you do about who's gonna get drafted where um and drafts way off in the future i love to i love to get suggested names to go watch later on uh in the middle of the night when i'm should be in bed uh and watching guys eligible for later drafts because that's that's the kind of guy i am uh have you seen jack divine recently no i haven't uh anything standing out he's just kept getting bumped down my list a little bit every time i it's nothing against him i think he's a decent player but um i haven't watched him in a long time i remember the last game i watched was kind of ho-hum uh i like jack hughes a lot more um i don't know but i'll 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 i'll, I'll check him out uh pretty soon hopefully your thoughts on some scouts having Juracek as a late first because he doesn't use his energy efficiently, for example. Goes for those dynamic hits and ends up completely missing play. Well, uh, I don't know who has him late first, but the way I would counter that is he's doing those things and missing. So what happens when he hits? Like, what happens when he does refine that style of play? And look, what he's trying to do can be difficult. He's not done getting physically stronger. Um, and I agree. I have seen those problems. I've seen those problems. You know, he he goes for contact or he goes to pin against the board, guys against the boards and misses. And it's awkward. It's awkward. Um, but he's, you know, like I still see like a Mikhail Sergachev there. That's the kind of guy that I see out of Yurichek. And like, I like Mikhail Sergachev. Um, and and I think with Juracek, it's just going to be a matter of improving the things that he tries over the course of two or three years. So the whole point of this game is not to say who is really good at what they do now. It's how do they play now and how do their talents intertwine with how they play now and will it work in five years if we work on XYZ? Um, so yeah, that's and that's kind of the angle that I've taken with a guy like Juracek. Could Gunther be a 50-goal scorer, maybe in the WHL? Uh, is it possible the Habs could draft Lambert with their Calgary pick? It's not impossible, um, based on what I've heard about 
his draft value. I hope I hope he's drafted before then, but at this point, who knows? Um, how many guys in your first round will still be available in the third? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'll say Gleb. Uh, I'll say Gleb, Gurdinen, Osland. Uh, Hudson, sure. We'll go with Hudson. So four. Four. Out of these goalies, who would you use a pick on? Topias Leinonen, Hugo Havlid, Lucas Swedeen, Sergei Ivanov, Reed Dix, Dylan Silverstein, Nick Kako, and Jan Spoonar. Uh, I don't know. I mean... Maybe Lucas Swedeen, because he's fun and small. Uh, Sergey Ivanov. I pro- if things were no- if things were normal circumstances, then maybe. But uh, I don't know. The only Russians I would really, really, really focus on drafting are the ones that I'm really, really, really high on, and I'm never really, really, really high on a goalie, especially one that only has played against junior competition. Um, unless your name is Jesper Wallstead. So um, I don't know. If I had to pick any of those, I would love Lucas Swedeen to be a thing. Um, but I, I don't know. Who knows. Potential of Hervinen, third line Swiss Army knife winger, like that, you know, reasonable bottom six guy, sure. What spot is Connor Geeky getting drafted? Uh, um, let's get spicy. Let's get spicy and say Columbus at six. Let's go there. My take for first off the board pick: Anaheim taking Bixell at ten. Verbeek has been uh, Iserman's AGM, watching him only take European big defensemen. Not that I think he's as good as Sider or Edvinson. It's possible. Uh, Anaheim seems to be drafting a lot of productive skill guys, like Zellweger, Pastajov, um, McTavish is even in that factory. Uh, so I would be surprised if they went with Bixell at ten. Um, but if you want a hot take for them at ten, I mean. Uh, there's a lot of options for them to to get spicy if they want to. Uh, like a Yuri Kulich at 10 would be fun. That would be a bit of a hot take, and that would be kind of fun too. But yeah, I see where you're getting at though. Um, also, McKenzie at midseason ha- said at least one scout had pull, had, he pulled had Bixell top 10. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Bixell is huge. He's physical. He's punishing. He got better over the course of the year. He got more comfortable with his skill, but yeah, I uh, I'm not surprised. Is there concern for Wright's lack of compete displayed in the in the postseason by some people? Okay, look. I don't like you I don't like the idea of accusing elite level athletes of not trying. Um Shane Wright has never been a particularly high activity player. If you're looking for a player who is lazy, some people you will prime yourself to see that with the way Shane Wright plays. He's not a Zach Hyman. He's not, uh, you know, Evander Kane. He's not all over the ice all the time crushing guys and, and applying pressure and all that. He's not that kind of player. I don't know. Shane Wright, I think, instead of a lack of compete, I know he's just a relatively inactive and reactive player, but that can work. That can work. Is it working? Did it work for him in the playoffs in the uh, OHL this year? No. Was Kingston really like a threat to beat teams like Hamilton uh, or or any of the other best OHL teams out there? Maybe, but I think they were a bit below and they just got eliminated. I don't know. But yeah, I don't really think too much about lack of compete, really. Um, especially with a guy who has as many other traits as, as Shane Wright. 
what top 10 player is the player where you are like where you feel most comfortable with that player reaching their potential um damn liam ugren's just outside my top 10 <laughs> uh probably shane wright um you know just a really smart play driving offensive center um logan cooley i think is going to score i feel pretty sure that with the creativity and hands and 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 pace and and everything he brings that i could see that as well uh so those two maybe i think slavkovsky is a pretty easy to project nhl player just how much impact he'll have is a question mark for me the rest yeah i don't know there's big questions about the rest i'd say uh what spot lamp what at what spot does lambert become a steal well Lambert doesn't become a steal until he's an NHL player. Let's get that out of the way. But I mean, I would say with Brad Lambert, I would start really pounding the table for him if we were at... It, looking at my list, if six of my top seven names were gone, like if it became a choice between Brad Lambert and on my list, Gleb, Joakim Kamel, Philip Meshar, Liam Ogren, Frank Nazer... I'm pushing for I'm pushing for Lambert pretty hard around then. So seven or eight, I would say, is where I'd start pushing for him. Um yeah, imagine Cooley and Gunther. Yes, I can imagine that. I don't want to imagine where they're gonna play, but I can imagine it. Uh what would you do with Nylander and how would you try how would you go about getting him to try harder in more games than not? I'm not answering that question because I am not questioning William Nylander's work rate. The dude was a point per game in the NHL. Like I if you want to trade me William Nylander, I'm taking him. Uh, thoughts on Ken Hughes drafting in son, his son, Jack. He said he's not gonna, um, I don't know. I can see why you wouldn't want to draft your own son. Uh, I can see why you would, but personally, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think it, especially for Montreal, it puts a huge magnifying glass on the kid. Um, I don't think it's that it's so big where it's like, you literally cannot draft him. But I mean, I don't know. All I know is that he came right out and said he wasn't going to draft his own son, but maybe that's all a ruse. Uh, Kevin Korchinski thoughts kind of went over that Casper versus Valeno. I can't really do that. I don't remember a whole lot about Joe Valeno in his draft year, to be honest, but I mean, maybe they're kind of similar based on what I remember of Valeno, but I don't remember a ton. Uh, I dream of a draft where the Habs draft first overall Lambert with Calgary's first pick and Gleb at 33. That would be a lot of fun. Thoughts on Lafreniere in the playoffs. He's looked a lot more comfortable. Um, he seems to be really sort of relying on a well-rounded sort of approach with physicality and, and, intensity but also some quickness and skill and transition to make things work um you know he seems to have rounded out his game a little bit a little bit over the last little while and seems to be a little more comfortable with nhl pace especially um so yeah i thought he's played i thought he's played pretty well whenever i've watched the uh the rangers in detail thoughts on maverick Lamaru? uh not a fan of his game long long way to go maybe there's a really good player there for sure but i would not take the risk um I don't know. Someone's going to draft him at like 35 or 36 and I wouldn't do that. Who's someone you're asked about more than expected? Who do you think you aren't asked about enough? Um, I don't think there's anyone where I'm asked more than I expect. Uh, especially because like I can tell why people are asking me so much about a guy like Slavkovsky or why they're asking me so much about a guy like Juracek or Nemich. Uh, because these are the guys that get talked about on Twitter all day long. Like every week or so, you'll see someone post, oh, so-and-so is doing so-and-so, or look at this highlight and blah, 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 blah. 
Uh, and it's like a, some power play goal or something they score. And it's like, okay, cool. Like that, but that name is now out there. Um, I'm surprised people aren't asking more about Matthew Savoy, like why he's not locked into that top group anymore, but maybe that's been sort of talked to death in public already. Um, you know, I'm surprised not as many people are talking about Kamel, both for the reasons that people thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread in November, but he also had a decent under a pretty good on all right. U18, I would say, and I haven't heard anyone really talking that much about him since. Um, but there, are, everybody seems to be focused on Slavkovsky and Yurchek. Not that that's a bad thing. I, I personally welcome, you know, not screaming about Joaquin Kamel as much as early in the year because that was another one with jo- like with Joshua where I was going back and going back and going back and absolutely making sure that I was sure about what I thought about him. And uh, I wish him the best in his career, um, but that call for me being like, mm, I want to slow down on the on the on the attention train for Kamel, the hype train uh, turns out to be so far, at least uh, a little bit hasty, but such is life. Who knows? Maybe I'm probably going to be wrong. Who knows? Uh, where do you think Jordan Gustafson should be picked? He's a tough one. I mean, I really like Gustafson. Like he's one of these guys who adapts on the fly really, really well, gets off pressure really, really well, but only, you know, doesn't really have the, the, the separation speed to do it. Would I draft him in the second round? Like, I think he's ranked in my second round. Um, just at the end of my second round. Like, if you can get him in the third round, I think that's a pretty solid pickup. If you had to pick a re-entry out of Lombardi, Brunei, Sedley, Hayes, and Jackson, who are you picking? Well, the only ones that I've really seen in detail are Hayes and Jackson, so I'm going to go with Avery Hayes because I remember liking Avery Hayes quite a bit. Uh, should Luke Hughes go back to Michigan? Sure. Why not? I mean, another year where he's going to he's gonna be like their top pair guy. He's going to play a ton of minutes now that Owen Power, Nick Blankenberg, all those guys are gone. He's going to play a ton of minutes. Um, so let him play a ton of minutes. No need to rush him, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, he's barely going to be 19, right? Yeah, he's barely going to be 19 for this year. Like, there's no reason to put a 19-year-old in the NHL defensively right away. Like, just give him a year, go out, win your championship, play 25 minutes a night, go nuts. Uh, Chris, hello. Uh, I know you love the guy, but I'm curious how would you describe Lambert's hockey sense? It tends to be what many scouts dock him for. Okay. How long do you have? Like, do you, uh, you want to just book a calendar day off? Cause we can talk about this, uh, all day. Um, so when I hear people talk about hockey sense, like I really gotta know what you are talking about. Cause the words hockey and sense next to each other if I said that to my mom, she would have no idea what I'm talking about. Whereas if I tell my mom he shoots, he his wrist shot is unbelievable, my mom's going to know what that means. Like, hockey sense is not a thing. It's a concept that has many things in it, but it's not a thing. You know? It's not very descriptive. Lambert certainly, 100%, last year, I said this to Sam McGilligan, I think, at the U18th, and I said, you know what Brad Lambert reminds me of? He reminds me of a higher pace Ken Johnson where you see all of the, the, the tools and the speed and the skill, not so much the speed, but the skill and creativity, you see it. But then some of the time you're just like, come on, man, just like, just play hockey, like just focus, pass the puck when you see an option, just play the game 
and you'll and what like stop stop trying to be the hero every single time you touch the puck or stop trying to get on the highlight reel every time you get it you know like it's come on but that to me has gone away in this year for him um you know when i look at someone's hockey sense i find that it's more likely that someone with poor hockey sense would be unable to complete passes be unable to get pucks up the ice uh get shut down in transition a lot you know skate into pressure a lot um whereas lambert with yip yaveskala was one of the highest volume, highest efficiency uh, transition offensive offensive transition players that I have ever tracked, and he was playing against men, and he was one of the most efficient passers. He was up over 80% completion in a men's league uh, for all the passes that he made in those first few games. He goes to Pelicans, and I swear to God, that team is just not also not a good fit. Like, I don't know. Again, I, 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 I have Lambert at two, and every single time I, I think with my brain about this draft and where I have Brad Lambert, all of the, the waves of people telling me he's bad just shower me. And I can't, I have to go and I, I go and watch him a lot just, just to watch the tape and be like, okay, what am I missing? What do I not see? Like, what can I possibly be wrong about? And I just can't, I just can't shake the feeling that a lot of the problems that he's dealing with and the data has taken a lot of nosedives after he moved from team to team. Like, a lot. Not terrible, but, like, bad enough to be notable. And I watch him play, and I just go, this is not a good fit for him. He should be in the WHL. He should be with Saskatoon. Like, he's he's a high-paced, high-intensity guy in a league where defensemen do not pass the puck to linemates. They pass the puck to the opposing goal line. Like, he's in a league where the pace of the game is slow, and methodical and tactical but he is high pace high skill high octane he needs assistance in the offensive zone when he's in those offensive zone retrieval situations and there's no one there helping him um could he be a little bit better with making plays as they are appearing right in front of him yes like i've seen situations where he's got men in between like himself and the center of the like right he's in the corner guys in scoring position maybe not right in front of the net but like right in that medium danger area he sees the player but instead decides to spin off the pressure try to carve up and go up the half wall and and do something else and he loses possession like i've seen that a couple of times and like in that sense yes that area is a little bit of a work in progress but the talent he's got and the 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 op the 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 in in the the insatiable feeling i have of what if he were on a team with players that suited him a little better you know uh i can't shake it um because i mean this is why i track data because i want to see on a granular level what is this player's individual impact on the game and, and what's happening and i watch pelicans a lot i the kid there's someone asked about adam barris he plays on the pelicans junior team and i really like him but again that i've been talking about this a few times the the whole five player wide in a line breakout out of the defensive end that, that the Pelicans men teams does sometimes. The junior team did it too in like like twice in that game that I was watching. And I'm like, this is not this is not doing anything. Like you're not generating any momentum. You're not generating any deception. You're just five dudes skating in a straight line up the ice together and passing the puck back and forth. What like what is the goal here? So I I I, I think that's a systemic thing. Um I don't know. And I, I certainly wouldn't be putting Brad Lambert on the wing. 
but he's been playing wing with Pelicans, and I feel like that's a bit of a shift too because he was playing a lot of center uh, and wasn't doing poorly uh, with that. I don't know. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 when I hear people say his hockey sense is bad, I go, yeah, but what do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? Explain to me because I want to know. And I have yet to hear people really articulate what those problems are. There are some areas of that area of the game where I watch him and I go, come on. But one, that's gotten a lot better. It's gotten a lot better, in my opinion, from last year. And two, like, give him time. Like, he's got the talent to make it work, and and there's a lot of good going on there. Um, But I don't know. Again, he's like Lane Hudson. Like, teleport him into the chair next to me and give him the whole Happy Gilmore head shake and go, don't let anyone make you think whatever. Like, just keep working hard keep getting better, like be open to criticism, be open to constructive, whatever, but just like keep doing what you're doing because you've got it, but it's like rough right now. Things things are rough right now. Uh, who would your top three picks be for in a draft with a, in a points only fantasy hockey draft? Uh, that's a good question. I would go Cooley, Cooley Lambert Savoy. We'll go with that. Sure. Just went to a Remparts game last night and negotiated look great. Thoughts on him. Kind of went over him earlier. Big physical guy. Um, you know, I like Nathan Gaucher as a bottom six NHL guy, but like similar to what you could get in a lot of different free agency periods. Quick, physical, interesting playmaking here and there, but not much else going on. Uh Oh. We got uh, Gio Palermo in here again, I believe. Uh, yeah, there you are. Not sure if this is correct, but I'm under the impression you're a bassist. What's the most technically difficult baseline you can play flawlessly? I am. I, I, I have played bass since I was 14, I think. I played it very seriously for about eight years, and then I got a job in music, and that that kills a lot for you, honestly. But anyway, no, I'm I'm half-joking. Um, the most technically difficult baseline you can play flawlessly. Uh, oh boy. Well, when I grew up, I was a big dream theater guy. I still am. I listen to that band a lot. Um, but back in the day, uh, I certainly listened to them a lot. Um, picked them up in like the, the train of thought days. Uh, so that's kind of when I picked them up when I was in high school and John, my young plays bass on that band. And he's one of the most technically unbelievable bass players I've ever heard. So he's a really good one to copy and sort of woodshed and try to get your chops going. I learned how to play Teen Town by uh, Weather Report for a grade 12 final project in my music class, which is very difficult, and I don't think I could play it flawlessly anymore. I've tried. It's not easy. Um, but I would say, back to the Dream Theater thing, 6 o'clock, uh, the, the opening track off the album Awake, uh, is a really, 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 really fun play, fun song to play. Uh, and uh, it's tough uh, on bass. It's real tough. Uh, so listen to that one. Um, some of the best albums I've ever heard, honestly. That band from the 90s. Uh, Images and Words, Awake. Uh, tra- uh, not Train of Thought. Uh, Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence. Metropolis Part 2. Uh, even Falling Into Infinity, I really like. Uh, great ba- Great band for that era. Not a huge fan of their more 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 gothic metal crap of the last ten years or so, but 
really really good uh good band to check out if you're really into really virtuosic musicianship um okay uh what's going on with the canes you see them winning every game at home uh so far but losses in every game away what's your reasoning for that why that's happening uh the playoffs are very emotional <laughs> uh, i imagine they get tremendous amounts of support and a mental boost from being at home and i bet that the uh, other teams also get the same when they play at home so yeah uh can you play dean town i actually can get through most of it uh it's really hard because in dean town in any wolfpack song joe dart will throw in these little like extra runs and motifs that are really hard to pick out but i guess it's good ear training um but i can get through i can i can i can stumble through it i guess is what i'll say um Uh, Soderstrom or Broberg? I go with Soderstrom. Who would be an extremely high value selection in the 35 to 40 range? Shane Wright. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, realistically, Seamus Casey, maybe? If he, if he turns out right, he could be a great pickup in that range. Um, I don't know the name of the person who's written here. Oh, Kale McCarr. That's it. Kale McCarr. Uh, he's amazing. Kale McCarr's amazing. Uh, if there are the, if, if they're the, oh, okay. No, we're talking about the, yeah. Wait, will you play bass? Yes, I do. Actually. Uh, this is going to make you laugh. I, uh, this is going to, if you're a, if you're a bass geek, you're going to want to, you know, yell at me, but I'm going to show you one of the bases I got. I, I want to show it off because I've, been, I've had it for a few months and I just have to show it off. But there's a builder, uh, I, I saved up money for a long time and, uh, and for my 30th birthday, uh, I, I gave myself a little, a little present, uh, uh, with a little bit of assistance from my parents, I'll say, but I, I gave my, I got myself a, a base built by a guy who lives in Hamilton, uh, George Ferlinetto F base. It's unbelievable. I got a custom color first they've ever made with this color. I'm going to show it to you. I don't know. I don't know if I'll be able to get it in, in camera, but this is a, a, a wonderful piece of it's obviously in the same color blue as my company, which is not planned. Uh, we, this was the same paint color that uh, a Ford Bronco, the new Ford Bronco comes in. It's slate blue. Um, but it, this is a beautiful, beautiful piece of machinery. Uh, and amazing people to, 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 to work with and, 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 and build it with. It took about a year and a bit. Um, but it's beautiful uh and uh yeah so that's that's where i've come from <laughs> that's where i that's where i've come from but yes i do play uh love would love to play more um than i do but yes i play uh okay why would lambert drop just because of a lack of production yeah that's basically it uh carter hey billiam hello uh love what you do and hope you get a shot with an organization thank you my question is are you less opposed to trade back from one now or do you think still think it's a good idea for montreal i would for Montreal, I would uh, I would probably keep the pick. I think it's just what they need, and and he plays right away. I, I think there would be a lot of a lot of positives for Montreal if they pick him um, and just move on. Uh, outside of that, though, sure, open the phone line, see what's up. Uh, five string guy, eh? Not really into the five strings, but looks pretty. Yeah. So, uh, not always. Uh, this is my Fender Precision Bass. Um, I put electrical tape over the pickup coils because I keep 
slapping them. But this is, I call this like a, like a funk machine because I've put tape wound strings on this and they're like a year old and they're dead and terrible sounding, but uh, the, well, they don't sound terrible. The thing sounds really good, but it's, it's really, really good. It sounds like it's uh, a 60 year old instrument, but this thing was from 2017 and uh, very cheap, but put a new bridge on it and uh, some tape wound, black tape wound strings on it. And they're, uh, it's uh, straight out of 1966 or whatever. So I do, I do play fours. And if I were to ever get another one of those uh, fancy boys, uh, I'd probably go four. Um, doo -doo -doo, doo -doo 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 -doo. If you were the Canucks, would you trade down from 15 for 23 and 52, for example? Uh, sure. I mean, if Lambert's available at 15, I would probably just pull the trigger there. Uh, one second. Um, uh, yeah, so I'd probably just pull the trigger on Lambert at 15 and not take the risk, but at 52 and 23, you could do some damage. So I don't know. Depends. Again, it comes down to like in, in, in intelligence that you have from, from other teams and what might be in their minds. Um, so yeah. Uh, Romanov or Gouli? Uh, probably go Gouli. Thoughts on Bolduc? Uh, not a huge fan of Zach Bolduc, to be honest. Uh, I know he had a pretty good year, but I've just never been a huge fan. I've seen different people call out different prospects at Anaheim's 10th overall. Mo from most common that I see, Korchinski, Nazer, Lambert, Lakaramaki, Mintyukov. Which do you like the most? I would love Brad Lambert in Anaheim. Put him in California, you know dope jerseys you got trevor zegers on the team you got mason mctavish on the way you know lambert with a guy like uh lambert with a guy like sasha pastajov i feel like he could help enable a lot of what pastajov can do i i don't know i would i would personally think lambert um and that would be a lot of fun i i mean i would i would race to buy a brad lambert ducks jersey in that eggplant Really, 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 really fast. Um, don't know if you've covered this yet, but where do you rank Mintukov, Korchinski, and Matejuk? Uh So I've got M Korchinski up highest at 14, and then I've got Mintukov at 20, and Matejuk at 29. Um, Mintukov, I mean, that's a soft 20. I could see him earlier than that, much earlier, uh, but yeah between him and a guy like Korchinski, I still lean Korchinski. But it's close. Um, what's Salamance's ceiling in your opinion? Middle pair defensive first guy who can shoot? Something like that. Um, if you were New Jersey, do you pick Slavkovsky because he fits the mold or do you pick Cooley? I pick Cooley because you just draft uh, the guys that you always wish you had and hope it works out. That's my vibe. Why the edge to Grudinin over Minchukov? How close are they in your mind as far as value and draft ranking? Re they're really close, but I, I like Grudinin's mobility more than Minchukov. Minchukov is more confident and I'd say more skilled, but Grudinin is shiftier. I think Grudinin is a better gap manager defensively. Um, Minchukov is more physical, but I watch, I watch those two back-to-back -back a lot to make sure that I think what I think about them. 
I think Gradinen has a ton of headroom to explore and work with offensively if the right coach brings him along. Minchukov, I think, is certainly a very skilled and confident, daring offensive defenseman when he has the puck on his stick and quite deceptive in transition. But I don't really like his defensive game as much. And I don't know. But yeah, they're very, very close. Like, if I mean, I it, it's almost more likely to me that you could go, you know what, let's draft Minchukov now and we'll probably be able to get both. You know, and I, I think that's a reasonable that's a reasonable strategy because I don't expect Grudinin to get drafted anywhere close to where Minchukov gets drafted. What's the deal with Jordan Dume? I smell a conspiracy with everyone <laughs> against Jordans. <laughs> uh, no, I assure you there's no conspiracy. Jordan Dume, uh, I think David St. Louis, who's, if he's still here, let's see. Uh, he wrote a really, really good article on EP Rinkside if you have it. And if you don't, you should think about getting it. Um, after you get a subscription to McKean's Hockey, of course. Uh, and after you get a subscription to Marcus Gustafson's Blue Line Hockey IQ program with your coupon code scouting for 10% off. Um, but yeah, with Jordan Dume, I mean, it's a question of NHL projection. You know, the points you score in junior don't matter at all in your NHL career. It's a nice indicator, but it doesn't matter. And I feel like the pace of his game is too low. Um, he's a volume playmaker. Like, that's pretty much what he does is just send pucks out in front uh, volume shooter from outside, but still gets his chances. Um, I mean, he plays with probably the best physical forward in the QMJHL and the best played driving PC guy in Elliot Desnoyers in the queue right now. Um, and that helps as well. He has a lot of secondary assists, but also, I also just feel like the QMJHL's quality of defending and, and goaltending has just not been particularly good recently um i just watched that league and i go man a lot of these forwards get a they, they the defenses let them get away with a lot so it's it's not impossible i think there's something there for dume but i'm not holding my breath and i don't think it's hugely likely but if he's there in like the fourth or fifth round then sure you could take a swing on him thoughts on the survivor finale oh boy yeah we're a survivor household if anyone else is uh if anyone else is uh unsure but boy that was Man, so I won't spoil anything, but I'm so thrilled that the winner won. I'm so thrilled with how they performed uh, down the stretch there. You know, actually all the finalists I thought did really well in that last little bit. I hate how they do the reunion thing immediately now. I think that that's really wrong to do to the contestants that were still there and participating and had just found out whether they won or lost and are processing it. I think that that's wrong and bad. But in general, I honestly, like that season, season 42 was, I've been watching it since basically right after I met my partner, which was just about 11 years ago. So I've been watching about maybe 19 seasons of the show. And that was one of the best, that was one of the best ones. Uh, that's, that was one of the best ones um, that I remember watching. I love the cast, pretty much anyone on the jury or any of the finalists, I think could and should come back um many of them but uh yeah i thought it was great uh really great season uh happy for the winner great winner um no spoilers of course um really great finalists um really really good really good season who do you think is the highest off the board pick in this draft like moritz cider was uh i don't know matthias sapovalov <laughs> Um, where were you, where would you feel drafting Vincent's Rohrer third round or later? 
probably later. I don't know. I'm not a huge Roro guy. Um, I mean, I kind of see it, but I'm not, I'm not jumping at the chance. Like, if it's the third round, I'm taking Gleb Trigazov. And if it's not Gleb, Noah Osland. If it's not Noah Osland, take your pick. I mean, there's a few other guys I'd look at. Late rounds, maybe, I guess, if someone was really pounding the table for him, but I'm not, you know... Who are your top five defensemen in this draft based on ceiling alone? Uh, ceiling alone. Juracek, Nemec, Casey, Grudinin, Mintukov, I'd say. Korchinski, I think it's pretty easy to see what he's going to be, and that's like a good thing. I'd say Korchinski and Mintukov are a AB there, but definitely in terms of upside and like what they could be, Nemec, Juracek, Casey, Grudinin, 100%. Then... Flip a coin between Mintukov and Korchinski. Um, am I wrong for wanting Osland at 12 for Columbus? Uh, spicy, but no, I don't think so. Why is Nazer falling in mock drafts? Uh, probably because people are looking at the central scouting list and it's getting in their heads. Something like that? I don't know. What questions would you ask if you were in the interview room at the Combine? Um, well, for, I mean, I would definitely really try to set the stage that there's no wrong answers um you know the interviews to me like the way i would approach them is we're just trying to figure out who's a fit and who isn't um i also personally this might be me being naive but i mean i grew up with parents who listened to a lot of corporate financial bs and they taught me a lot of lessons about how to pick apart people who might be BSing you. And I feel like I have a decent ability of doing that. And I, so I think, I think that you would have to set the stage of like, what you're looking for is honesty and, and relationship building. Not I, like, I'm not really looking to test them and like make them uncomfortable. Um, but I I would ask questions like, you know, has there ever been... A, and again, there's no wrong answers. But I would certainly ask questions like, have you stood up for a teammate? Have you stood up for a friend or a family member outside of the world of, of hockey? Um, what interests do you have? Like what, you know, outside of hockey, is there anything that you think is, you know, an interest of yours or a hobby or, or like a whatever? Like I just want to get to know the person that we're talking to because the player themselves, like, the way they play is kind of the indicative part, but the interviews to me are the part where you can figure out, okay, is this a person that I can work with and do with? can I build the trust with them to know that we know what we're doing with them? Are they going to be psyched to play for my team and am I going to be psyched to have them as a, as a player in my system? Um, I would love to know if players have... Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's a really good question. Um, and I think it would also depend on, on the player. Um, I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't think about asking like gotcha questions or trick questions of like, well, what if you got attacked by seven tiny horses and you were a animal rights person? Would you kick the horses? It's like, I don't know. Like that, that doesn't seem very productive. Um, because you're just talking to people and, and you know, it's, it's like, I've been in job interviews and stuff and I don't really like when they, you know, it's just sticking to business. Um,
yeah, so you're just kind of sticking to business more than anything um, that I that I would probably prefer. But I don't know. It's a really good question. Uh, is there anyone on the NTDP that other scouts rank high but you think is a stay away? Rucker McGrordy, I think, has a long way to go. Um, a long way to go, but... Yeah, he's probably up, up there. Um, but other than that, I mean, Jimmy Snuggerud probably will go first round, and I'm not sure I would do that. Maybe that kind of thing. Ryan Chesley, I would not draft in the first round. That's a that's probably actually yeah. Ryan Chesley's the biggest example of that. I would not be drafting Ryan Chesley really high. Um. Uh, what should Montreal do with their 14 picks? Use them all, trade them. Any other ideas? It's hard to say. Uh, I wouldn't trade up with them. I don't think. Um. You could always use them to trade back. You could. I mean, it depends on who's available on the trade market. Like, if two of those picks bring you an NHL player that's like somewhat young, maybe a reclamation project or something, uh, then go for it. Wow, the Carolina Hurricanes are gonna win this game. Good for them. Three two, heading back to New York. That'll be fun. That'll definitely be fun. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I if I'm Montreal, it also depends on who's available and and who might be slipping through the draft. But I mean, if you, I don't know. I mean, if you want to trade a seventh round pick for a sixth round pick next year, which has happened before, then by all means do it. Uh, thoughts on Cam Allen? Love the shot. Um, kind of was a little underwhelmed watching him this year, but but he's a good offensive defenseman. I haven't seen a ton of him, but uh, he's a he's probably one of the better defensemen looking at it right now for, for next season, I'd say. Uh, swinging on college guys in rounds five through seven is the move. Uh, gives you more time to track them. You have to make a decision with two years in CHL. Yeah, that's true. Uh, like my boy Kenta Iso guy. Uh, give him four or five years and see where he's at. Who goes first, Lakaramaki or Osland? Uh, that'll be Lakaramaki. Bonsoir, Jeremy. Allo, monsieur. Comment ça va? Uh, what are your thoughts on Goche? What would you say his strengths and weaknesses are? Uh, oh, yes. Sorry, Jim. That was from Billy Madison. You're right. I mixed up my Adam Sandler movies. They're all just so similar. Uh, my thoughts on Goche kind of been over him a little bit. I mean, he's he's a skilled pow- – he's a big, skilled winger with a really good shot. Um, I just haven't seen enough out of him. I want to see more. He's up that Philip Beestead alley where it's like, oh, okay, like I see what you're doing at your best, but in a 60-minute game, like it's like he comes and goes. You know, he's kind of inactive. He turns on the Jets really only when he wants to. Um, pretty passive defensively, not great defensive results from my data. One of the less offensive creators that that are out there, um, uh, 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 relative to the other NTDP guys, at least. Uh, I see more Rantanen and Slavkovsky. I don't, so I guess we disagree. With the lack of center depth the Bruins have, do you, who do you see them drafting in the later rounds? Well, you're not drafting in the later rounds to fix depth on your team. Um but I don't know. I mean, it, it, late round centers to draft. I mean, Kenta Iso guy, but I highly doubt he's a Bruin. Um, Servak Petrovsky, maybe I could see maybe being a Bruin of some kind. Uh, Isaac Bourne as a late round swing. Ryan Green, I've liked. Cam Lund, I could see as a Bruin. I have a theory that NHL teams are biased towards players that already wear the same colors and they wear yellow. So Green or, or Lund could be an option. Um... Topi Roney, I feel like could be a good Bruin as a later round pick, maybe a mid to late round pick. That would be a that would be one. There's a few. Uh favorite player with two first names. 
what is a what is a first name anymore? People are using last names as first names and left first names as last names and all kinds of stuff. Uh, Isaac Howard, um, that comes to mind. Hmm. Owen Beck, that's a good one. Uh, okay. Uh, there's a lot of discussion around top 10 picks. Which prospects do you see as worth trading up for? If Logan Cooley's there past the top five, you probably should think about trading up, I'd say. Um, Henry Muse in 2024 will be interesting. Seventh to the 67s this spring. Yeah, I like Henry Muse. He's kind of neat. I don't know about a Drysdale comparable because I haven't seen enough of Henry Muse to know that, but one of the better defensemen in the OHL draft this year for sure. I like I liked Dickinson a little better, but Muse is pretty good. Uh, does Brady Brady Stonehouse get drafted even if it's just based on his name? Yes. he He's one of the guys in this year's draft that you can easily identify as a guy that mixes it up after the whistle and gets physically involved and loves to sort of get under the skin of opponents. So, yeah, I think teams will just see that and go, yeah, let's pick him up. Uh, Alex Giroux. Hey, Will. Really enjoyed your view. Thank you very much. I'm really high on Casey. Is the risk here similar to Gerard and if he can defend effectively? Uh, no, it's not. I mean, Gerard could skate a lot better than Casey could when he was draft eligible. Um, but... But, I mean, I don't know. I think Casey's defending is a bit of a problem, but, yeah. I mean, I think you could maybe hope that Sam Gerrard is who he will be at the end of some years of development. He's going to Michigan. That'll be a good place to play there. Um, so, yeah. Excuse me. Uh, could you compare Hudson and Casey with the data on both and what stands out? Yeah, of course. Uh, funny, I have the tool just to do that. So, we'll put Seamus on the left. And we'll put my boy Lane on the right. I mean, they're both my boys. I love them both. So we've got uh, 91 minutes done on Lane Hudson and 79 on Casey, which is funny because Casey has a full data set and Lane Hudson's at six six games. Uh, but there were some games where Lane Hudson played quite a bit in my sample. Um, so yeah, we'll just do the A to B in percentages. So with Seamus Casey, you've got a guy who takes more dangerous chances than Lane Hudson does. And that, I think, checks out. Um, doesn't generate as much dangerous offense as Lane Hudson, which I also believe, and suppresses defensive danger a lot better, which I also would believe. Um, but you have a player who is much less involved in offensive transitions than Lane Hudson, which I also believe. Um, someone who is much less threatening with their passing, which 100%, I believe, but I really want to see more out of, out of Seamus Casey. Um... You know, Casey finishes more passes, but he's much more conservative with his passing than Lane Hudson is, that's for sure. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, so I think, and with Lane Hudson, you see a much better player at closing out defensive entries. And I think that comes down to, he does know how to use his lower center of gravity for sure. And he's pretty confident under pressure. He can get to pucks first and at least keep guys away long enough to move pucks. Whereas Seamus Casey seems to hold onto it and hold onto it and hold onto it and uh get get hemmed in a little bit um so yeah but comparing the two i mean lane hudson wins a lot of categories but seamus casey wins a few others so so yeah take that what take that for what you will uh mm, 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 mm. just oh uh lost one here lost some lost uh, where are we going here the last question that I answered. I can't find it. Um, there it is. 
I've seen Tim and Chuk hop to the shark stuff recently. What would you think of that in his development plan? Again, the content boys, uh, or I should say content boy at Locked on Sharks. They just did an interview with Tony Ferrari. Uh, so I'm not, not, they're not surprised to see him talked about there. What do I think of that in his development plan? I think it's a fine decision. He'd have lots of time to wait. Yeah, and he probably will need some time to develop. Um, I like him. I, I like him at 11. It's a little bit high for me. But I could see he brings you something that Ryan Merkley won't um, and Artemi Kniazev won't. So, yeah, uh, it's a reasonable option. And, yeah, you take some time and develop him. And, you know, here's Brent Burns. Hang out with him and, and, and learn from him. Will you make a mock draft? Uh, yes, I will. Uh, don't worry, it's coming. But I think I'm going to wait until the playoffs are over because I would rather just do it in one go and just say here's 32 picks and there will be a video version uh, so stay tuned for that because that'll probably be a bit of a marathon. Who is Adam Barris? Uh, Pelicans junior guy. Uh, he's a skilled, pretty quick guy from Czech Republic. Um, pretty, pretty real. I, he caught my eye at the under 18s and I started watching him. His pick 224 data in really limited usage with Pelicans was really, really good across 15 games. Um, really good, even strength producer, skilled, creative, lots to like, but uh, yeah, he's, he's fun to watch. Besides right, what player do you think has the highest floor and is a low to no risk prospect? Uh, the highest floor and a no risk? I mean, probably Slipkovsky. Like, I think he'll be, he'll be an NHL player, like a, like a good possession winger for sure. Uh, so that's a pretty good floor. Which CHL th- team do you think has had the least number of players drafted from a team in recent history? Uh, that's a good question. Swift Current, maybe? That probably changes this year. I don't know. 2020 redraft of the top 10. Oh, okay. NHL draft. A redraft of the top 10. So you've got... Okay. So... Ugh, can I pass on this? Because it seems really fast. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> I don't want to touch this cuz half these guys haven't even finished. They haven't even touched the NHL yet and I don't it's too scary to me. Um what about Matt Savoy and what would he look like for Columbus at 6? He'd be a lot of fun. He'd be what Columbus is kind of looking for. Like they seem to draft guys like that a lot. And I like Matt Savoy. Um skilled, agile, but flawed. Uh they drafted a guy who's skilled, creative and flawed in Ken Johnson and I feel like Matt Savoy could be a decent add on top of that uh, if that's kind of the thing they're looking for and hoping it rounds out um, it would be a reasonable pick at six for sure would Shakir be an NHLer if he shifted to the wing uh, that's just so strange that it might actually work so who knows what are some blind spots you've encountered with data and tracking um it's a good question. I mean, I kind of closed a lot of what I've considered a blind spots every year with more statistical categories that I add. Um, I think I would like to know better and have a more concrete idea of when things are not the player's fault. Like right now, it's an uncontrolled zone exit when a player puts a tape-to-tape pass on a player and it just bounces off the blade of the teammate's stick and hits the opponent's stick. You know, because, like, is that the player who passed its fault? Yeah. Is it the player who received its fault? Eh, I don't know. But, like, 
it's still not a controlled exit, but it's also not as bad as just firing the puck up the ice when there's nobody around and whatever. So that's kind of an area that I still think I need to work on. Um, I really also want to do, if I could track locations of events or have spatial tracking, I, I'd be great. Like where are players most active passing the puck? Um, whether it's D to D in the defensive zone across the defensive blue line, blah, 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 blah. I can kind of insinuate that based on the transition data I've got, but I would love to see it as like offensive zone passes where how many passes are in the defensive zone, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, and go from there. But that's also, that would add a lot of time to what I'm doing. Uh, maybe not a ton, but it, it's take, it's getting longer and longer every year to do, uh, to do the, to do a game. Um, thoughts on the Kadri situation and how Perron reacted to the ice on Kadri. Well, like, what am I supposed to say? It's terrible. Um, you know, like Nazem Kadri has been facing that kind of thing since he was drafted, uh, probably since he was in junior and before, um, you know, I believe he was the first practicing Muslim drafted in the NHL. I believe I could be wrong. Um, and yeah, so like that's going to come with baggage, unfortunately, which sucks. But that, I, I don't know. I, and I, I think it makes him a target when things are, when he, be, when he becomes a 1% possible blame target, he becomes a 100% blame target, which is unfortunate. Um, but what's amazing is that the outpouring of support is overwhelming relative to the hatred. And what really, I think that's a, I think that's a bit of a lesson for, for, for everybody really is, you know, you don't you, like, there are some days, like sometimes I get messages that make me upset. Like it happens. Some people are not very nice about it. Some people are thinking they might be nice, but they kind of make me think bad things. And I don't like, I don't blame anyone or anything at all, really. Like it just, it, you, you put yourself out there and that kind of thing is going to happen. But what makes you feel a little better is that the support group that you have or the, 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 the positive side of things, they don't, they don't jump in your DMS to be like, you're awesome. You just kind of have to trust that that's the case. And I mean, I don't really need people to jump into my DMS and say that I'm awesome. It doesn't, I'm not saying that's what I need, but it's an interesting thought to be like, you know, it's a horrible story. It's a terrible, terrible story. And like the fact that it had to go as far as it did is terrible. So, but, but the, but the, but the reaction to it and the support and everything, it's overwhelming. And it makes you realize that like most people are not like that. Most people. It's just that the internet selects for the most unreasonable and irrational and horrible people in the world because it's easy for people like that to to jump into dms and and send that kind of stuff and then just disappear forever or so you think um so i don't know it's it's i mean how and the and the you know the thing that happened with binnington like it's it's a hockey play like that's a hockey play that happens all the time like i get it it's the playoffs um and what and i mean david perron you know, if he connects on that elbow, he's gone for the rest of the playoffs, I imagine. And the fact that just because he didn't connect on it, nothing happens, seems wrong. Like, it's pretty blatantly obvious, and anyone with a brain watches that and goes, that's a dumb, dumb play. Especially after, I can't remember if it was after or before, but Perron basically coming at him from behind and knocking him to the ice and hitting him on the ground. 
like again like that to me it's like just for general nonsense Perron should have been suspended or thrown out or whatever or both uh it's just it's just wild but you know whatever like we all know that and the nhl player safety isn't really in the business of the player's safety it's not really in there it's in their business of you know patching holes when a hole explodes in the boat and you start to sink you know you just put put flex tape over it and call it a day and they never bail the water out of the boat everybody just starts freaking out um Habs fans will be chanting Shane Wright's name before he's even drafted. Just imagine saying a name other than Wright. Yeah, he's not going to go anywhere else. Um, where did the Flames go from here if they're eliminated tonight with guys needing with guys needing with their Where do the Flames go from here if eliminated tonight with guys needing with their stars needing with their stars needing new contracts? Yeah, I mean, Calgary I mean, I doubt that, um, I, I doubt that Calgary is going to, I don't know, like, I imagine that Johnny Gaudreau, knowing what I know about Johnny Gaudreau, that he is going to go to, to free agency and at least take offers. Like, that guy had a hell of a, of a season, um, that guy had a hell of a season and how much cap space do they have? I mean, they've got $26 million in cap space. They're five and a half million dollars under the floor. You know, if you spend 10 on, on, on Gaudreau and nine on Kachuk, that eats up a lot of it, but you can find replacements for guys like Stone and Goodbranson and Zadarov, or those guys can be brought back cheap. Do I, but I mean, I would not be surprised if Johnny Gaudreau is going to them and going, you know what, let's either find me a trade to a team that I definitely will sign with if you just want to move me and you want, don't want to lose me for nothing, but I, I'm going to listen to you, but we're going to go to July 1st. We're going to, or not, well, we're going to go to free agency. We're going to do that um, and see what other teams want. Cause it's Gaudreau's probably last chance to get a contract. He will get a massive deal on the open market. I would think um, it might be from Calgary, but Kachuk is a higher priority. Mangiapane is a higher priority. You know, Shillington had a great year. So I get the feeling that, that that's going to be the focus. Unless they make room by trading uh, someone they don't really want to trade. Like, they're not going to trade Lindholm or Toffoli or Dubay. So, I mean, it might be that they bring back, they focus on bringing back Kachuk and Mangiapane. Maybe they bring back some of the UFAs cheap um, and... And, and use the savings from Goudreau uh, to, to spend elsewhere. Um, but, I mean, they're also, I mean, they're in a position, oh, and Monaghan needs a new contract. Oh, God. Oh, no, after next season. Um, yeah, but they're in a, a bit of a tough spot, but I think they, that they're in a pretty decent spot, all things considered. But losing Johnny Goudreau would really suck, um, especially if he has more seasons like this past season in, in him. Uh what do you prefer of Ryan Chesley and Sam Renzel? I Sam Renzel. Uh Furcus and Goyette, I take Furcus. They're just both really I think they're a step ahead. Renzel's more mobile and aggressive offensively, uh bigger, raw, more raw but more to learn. I think that's okay. Furcus and Goyette, I think Furcus is a better shooter, a better shifty dynamic offensive player, um and just more fun to watch. Goyette's smart, but yeah. Watch the Bulldogs, and I'm impressed by Jacques Hodge, Jacques Hyde, but disappointed a bit by Mishak's lack of production playing on the third line. Is there upside with him? 
Yeah, I mean, with Mishak, the issue was putting it all together. Um, I really like Jan Mishak. I hope that playing in the AHL gets him going a little bit more. I mean, Hamilton also loaded up, but you were kind of hoping that Mishak would be part of that loading up part, but he's probably the best third-line player in the OHL. Um, I wouldn't be super concerned because the talent is still there, but he was always going to be a, a bit of a long shot uh, and I, I, I cooled off on him pretty significantly as the year went on when he was draft eligible. Thoughts on Danny Zilkin? Uh, I want to like him. He's one of the better offensive creators, uh, in my data set, but I don't know how much I believe it in the NHL. Really smart offensive transition player, like knows where to be, knows where to go. He, he floats into the offensive zone and finds space and gets chances and creates chances a lot. Um, it's just his pace is not the greatest. His ability to generate speed. He carries the puck a lot, but he's not particularly quick. So maybe we'll see where his game goes. He could evolve and get a little bit better. I, I, we'll see what happens. But I, 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 I like him, but maybe not as a first-round pick. You know, second-round-ish kind of guy. Um, just hopped on and saw Gleb's name highlighted. What are your thoughts on him? I, don't worry, his video's coming out soon. Watch the Bulldogs. Oh yeah, we did that. Uh, where do you think the Jets will go? Who do you think the Jets will get at 14? At 14, um, I mean, if the Jets could get Liam Ogren, I feel like he'd make a really good Winnipeg Jet. Uh, if Matthew Savoy is there, that could be a lot of fun. Matthew Savoy with, with Chaz Lucius at some point in the future would be a lot of fun. Frank Nazer would be a fun jet as well. Kevin Korchinski. There's options. They'll have options. Uh, Adam Ingram thoughts. I've cooled on him over the year. I don't know. I got really hyped up on him early in the year because there was a specific person really, really hyping him up, and I didn't quite see it, but I believed it. And I did a few games. I don't know. I like the offensive skill and creativity, but I didn't see enough that really made me think, oh, this guy's really, really high-end, especially considering he's one of the older first-time draft eligibles in the draft. Do you think points per 60 is a more accurate way to analyze production rather than points per game? Yes, especially even strength. Thoughts on Karomi Slav? Not a fan. Just just not a fan. Haven't seen him in a long time, but every time I've watched him, I've not. A, just this season, not a fan. Thoughts on the next season's trailer of Survivor? Uh, it's another season. Um, I hope they change up some of the silliness from this season, but... Uh. Do you see a little bit of William Nylander and Brad Lambert? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Any chance Adam Sikora goes first round in your opinion? Now, yeah, actually. What would be what would be for you the most valuable information that advanced statistics cannot measure that would help you improve your ranking? Um, it's interesting. I, I think the first thing that jumps to my head is how much do they genuinely love the game? Like really you know like for some it's like all they've ever known and they just do it because it's all they've ever known and they're really good at it but like i want to know who really like loves the game like like goes out has a fun time playing smile on their face like loves like i i find like part of the reason i feel like cole caulfield is so endearing to me is because you can tell that guy plays with joy like that guy plays with 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 happiness and like he loves it and i i i think you know obviously all of these players like all these nhl players like they take it seriously you have to take it seriously to play in the nhl but i would love to know 
guys who take it really seriously. They put in the work, they go to the gym, they do the thing, but they also just, they do it because they love it. They, they, when they put on the skates, they hit the ice, they, they go for a skate, they just love it. You know, it's not a job, it's not something they're good at, it's not something that they're just used to being really good at. It's like, they wake up and they're like, this is my, you know, they, I can't believe this is my life and I, I feel like a rocket ship flying in space. That's kind of, and I can't figure that out from video most often. Um, all I can think of is Steve Eisman grilling draftees about weed. Yeah, that's true. They, well, yeah. I wouldn't do that. That's for sure. Uh, any Scott Morrow defenseman style gems in this year's draft? Um, Sam Renzel's probably the closest, but I don't think he's as high end as, as, as Morrow. Um, thinking of other defensemen like that. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying Vladimir Gradinin a lot. Um, but I'm thinking like, I don't know. There's no real prep school defenseman outside. Well, he didn't play prep. There's no real prep school guys that I'm like really blowing my mind over. Um, so yeah, I don't know. But Sam Renzel is probably the closest. Uh, what are your thoughts on Owen Pickering? Uh, high, high ceiling, low, low floor. There's a lot of room to grow. There's a lot of, there's a lot of space for him to develop. And I would love to see him at his best. Um, really rangy skilled guy has some offensive tools as well um but but not the best defensive player for a big guy right now yet and his pass work through offensive transitions is really mixed i would say but uh when he, the puck is on his own stick and he's deceiving and surveying the ice and pushing offensively a little bit yeah he's he's pretty neat Player likely to drop? Brad Lambert. Yeah, easy. Um, what do you think is Marco Casper's biggest strengths and weaknesses, and do you think he'd be a good pick for Vancouver at 15? I think he'd be an acceptable pick at 15 for sure. His biggest strength is just you know what you're getting when he goes out on the ice. He's going to give it his all. He gets to the right space offensively. He gets to the right space defensively. He's strong. He's physical. He brings a lot to the table. He can shoot. Um, you know, good, strong, north-south player. That's great. Uh, the weaknesses, I mean, there aren't any real weaknesses. There's just not a ton of diversity in his game, I don't think. Um, but yeah, he'd be a fine pick there. Thoughts on Christian Cairo? Skilled, great shooter, one of the more aggressive offensive defensemen out there. He'll step up a lot like like Matejchuk does. Um, the skating is a problem. He just doesn't have the best set of feet under him, doesn't have the best defensive coverage ability. Um, you know, if the puck's not on his stick in the offensive zone, uh, or he's not standing still trying to problem solve with skill through transitions, then he's a lot less effective. Can we get, can we get Revac on next week? I'll ask him. Yeah, we, we, I, we, it's been a while since we did that. I'll ask, uh, I'll ask the team. Favorite hockey movie or movie in general? I think my favorite movie movie ever is There Will Be Blood. I love that movie. Uh, my favorite movie, just because it's amazing, is probably Batman and Robin. Or like a movie, like I'm thinking of a movie where if I was alone and stuck for like a year and I had to watch a movie, Batman and Robin, man, it's so entertainingly stupid. I love it. Uh, side note, the partner and I watched House of Gucci on the weekend. You want to talk about a ridiculous movie? That movie was ridiculous. Uh... But yeah, Batman and Robin is up there. And I've said Batman and Robin like six times. And I just honestly think that that might be it. Favorite hockey movie? I mean, how do you not say Slapshot? Uh, it's hilarious. It's insane. 
Um, I'm trying to think of the other hockey movies. I mean, Goon is really, really good. Uh, but I think I still like Slapshot a little bit better. <laughs> Just the scene where it's the first shift the Hanson skate on. And, <laughs> and the guy, I forget who it is, but he goes, these guys are a friggin' disgrace. <laughs> Oh, it's one of my favorite lines in the movie. Okay, I'm where where are these spam accounts coming from? Uh, report. Can I report? Report as spam. Please gamble responsibly if you choose to gamble. I have sworn off gambling, by the way. Um. Anyway, uh, Ivan Marosnyshenko looked like a top tier stud in the U18. Do you think someone will take him in the first round? Does he project as a top line player? I don't think anyone's taken him in the first round. With the uncertainty in Russia and the fact that he has Hodgkin's lymphoma or one, either non-Hodgkin's lymphoma or Hodgkin's lymphoma, some form of lymphoma. I mean, that 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 sets him back. Um, does he project as a top-line player in the NHL? I can't say it's impossible, just quite unlikely. What do you think Jagger Ferkus's upside is? What is his biggest obstacle to getting there? Um, I think he's a potential second-line scoring winger. He needs to get stronger. He certainly needs to get better under pressure for sure. Better escape speed. He's going to need to be really dynamic and fast to make it work uh, or really, really strong or both ideally. Um, so yeah, that's where I think, but, but he's not going to be a bottom sixer. He's either going to work out as a scoring winger. Or he's going to really struggle to score in the NHL. Uh, are you planning to make a video of on making a video of David Goyette? Uh, I am not. Unfortunately, I just don't have enough exciting stuff to say about him in my view. Uh, would you trade six and 12 to the devil's, for second and get Cooley. No, I don't think so. Ugh. I don't think so. What does Geeky's transition data look like, especially D zone exits? Uh, yeah, I can do that. Um, and I've got I've done quite a few games of Geeky. It's been seventy one minutes. So defensive exit percentage is seventy seven percent, which puts him thirtieth amongst forwards. His transition data is top thirty, pretty much across the board. High volumes of offensive transitions for sure, just not as efficient as others, but his efficiency rating of 71% is really good. Um, defensive exit percentage is really, really, really good as well. Like that's, that's, that's fine. You want like some guys are a lot higher for sure. Some, some players are a lot higher, but it's forgivably, forgivably. Okay. Um, but yeah, geeky's doing just fine on paper at least. Um, what, uh, but, but, but what do you think about the Habs defense prospect pool? They're going to have a lot of solid, you know, don't worry about them defensemen. Caden Gooley's the best one of them all, I think. Um, but outside of, like, and they're all going to be just really, really reasonable defense-first guys that might have a bit of offense to them, but they're mobile, physical, and solid defensively. How has Clevin developed since draft day? Knew you weren't too high on him. Honestly, I've not seen a ton of him. Do you see him as a third-pairing PK guy? That's what he's going to do. Like, an NHL coach is going to put him there. So, uh, yes, the answer is yes. Where do you think Wright goes in last year's draft? Honestly, I've thought about that. Um, I mean, do I like him more than Owen Power? No. Do I like him more than Matty Beneers? No. Do I like him more than, like, I feel like him versus Luke Hughes is close. I'd say maybe third based on how the draft went. Like, would I take him over Nathan McTavish? I think that's a bit of a coin flip, to be honest. And I didn't have Mason McTavish ranked hugely high, but yeah, maybe maybe third. I'd say ahead of McTavish, below Beneers, personally. Um, 
for someone trying to do independent scouting, what services would you recommend? Anything somewhat affordable. Hockey TV is probably your best bet if you want to spend a little bit of money. Uh, the MHL, the Russian Junior League, they have YouTube channels. Uh, they have a YouTube channel you can watch. Uh, what else? Those are probably your best bets. Unless you want to pay for like the CHL package, which is not cheap, but and it, it's not particularly great. It's better than it used to be, but yeah, hockey TV is probably the best one because you get Junior A, the NTDP, um, you know, the NAHL, USHL. You get all kinds of good levels of hockey to to watch. Some prep schools, etc. Blah 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 blah. Uh, is there a six four goalie who's an absolute project? Will take a ton of time and will either never play or will be a starter. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know that answer because I don't really know much about goaltending. But um, I mean. Ty Young has good data from what I've been able to glean, but he's not very well regarded. Reed Dick, sure, I guess, could be a thing. I don't know. They're goalies. It's strange. Um, Any news on Amirov? No. I know. I mean, I know he's going through more treatment still, but I haven't heard anything. There, there, there was some news recently, but nothing too crazy. He's still working his way back. Where would Stanislav Svozil rank among defensemen this year? Uh-huh. Probably, for me, like, looking at this group of defensemen, probably around here. Like, I like Havlid and Odilius better, but I'm not sure I like Nelson better or Lindgren or Salomonson. So, yeah, probably early second round, I would say. And I might have been a little high on Svozil last year looking back on it, now that I've seen a little bit more of him this year. Uh, thoughts on geeky skating? Yeah, it's not very good. Uh, high speed, high skill game is not his his name of the game. It's not. Um, but if he works on it and it's get, it gets better, then yeah, there could be a lot of room for development. How do you feel about Cutter Goche? I've been over him a couple of times in this. So yeah, sorry. I'm also kind of running out of steam and we've run late. Uh, what is Logan Mayu's ceiling and floor? I don't care. What are the deficiencies that you see in Rohrer's game that give you pause? Not very dynamic. He's pretty much all hands. Like, he's all hands. Um, you know, he's he's all hands, and if the puck's outside the offensive zone, he's far less effective, not very strong, um, not very intense on defensive back checks or anything from what I've seen. Volume playmaker, but not a whole lot of purpose to it. Good hands to problem solve in traffic and gets his chances for sure, but I don't think it projects very well personally. But he is very young, so that's a plus. He'll get drafted. We'll see what happens. Uh, imagine if Canadian Junior A downsized to compete with the USHL. Uh, I understand why they don't do it, but Junior A, 16 Junior A teams in the country would be very elite hockey. Yes, it would. I mean, if you ask me, the CHL is too big and bloated and insane, so yeah, but it's never going to happen. Have you seen any of Luca Auer? Yes, I have. I know he's scoring a ton, but that league is not very good. Um, and I've watched a bit of him at the Alps League level, and I just didn't see a ton that I thought really made a lot of sense beyond that level of hockey. Is Shane Wright's defensive game overrated? It's obviously very high-end, but are there people who act like he's a generational defensive forward crazy? Yes. His defensive game is not good, I would say. Like, it's not very active. He's very reactive, very uh, passive. You know, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see any evidence that his defensive game is spectacular, like what people might be saying personally. Um, anyway, I think that's going to be it. Uh, had a great night guys. This was a lot of fun folks. Uh, we'll see you next week. 
uh, next Thursday. I will ask the McKean's video team if they want to hop on. Uh, no guarantees. It might be two weeks out, but uh, I know Greg's been out and about traveling a little bit. But yeah, we'll figure something out. We got to have them on. It's been a really long time. Got three videos hopefully shot this week, and they'll be edited over the course of next week. So if you're a patron, you'll see them then. Um, but yeah, we're getting down to the last month of the of the season. So uh, look forward to some some more. Um, really excited to to see uh, to share with with yeah, what uh, what's coming down the pipe. So have a great night. Uh, 